Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, new episode of Eastman's Elevated here. So today on the podcast, I've got on my good buddy and hunting partner, Dan Heverin. Um, Dan's just a super guy. Uh, we've been hunting together for years, and he, he's just the guy you want by your side in thick and thin. He's, he's just tough as nails, tough mentally, um, a great hunter, great instincts, and he, he just never gives up. Um, we start off the podcast talking about this epic elk spot we have and how we found that and we get into high country mule deer and, and then we get into some of the sketchy situations we've been in over the years. Um, we were both young guys when we met and, and, uh, love to send it and, and just absolutely go for it and, and push ourselves to our limits. And, and we made mistakes over the years and gained knowledge over the years, but, but we did get ourselves into some sketchy situations and, and we talk about that in the podcast. Um, this is just some great stories about rattlesnakes and, and lightning and, um, has been lost here and there. And, um, it, you name it, we've done it and, and probably made the mistake, but we're wiser for it and we've learned from it. And, and, uh, Dan's just a super hunter. He's just got great instincts and, and it just seems like everywhere he walks, he gets into critters and, and, uh, he's, he's got a lot of good insight into Western hunting. Um, so you guys will enjoy today's episode. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Zeiss Optics. Just so impressed with Zeiss as a company. Um, I've used top-end optics my whole life, and, and I was so impressed when I got a pair of Zeiss binos in my hands. And I used the Zeiss binos in their scope last year, um, and, and they're just so crisp and clear. Um, the color fidelity in them is unreal. It's just like this high-contrast color in them where animals really stick out to you. Um, so I just couldn't be more impressed with their glass. I know they just came out with a couple of really nice rifle scopes, their V6 and their V8. Um, they've got a built-in turret. They've got a, oh, a high millimeter objective lens, gathers a lot of light for low light shooting. Um, just a, a great well-designed scope. And, and Zeiss is just a great company. Like I say, I couldn't be more impressed with them. So thanks to Zeiss for sponsoring the podcast. Um, over at the Eastman's office right now, uh, we've got uh, the new Eastman's bow hunting journal coming out. Um, I told you guys I got a bear article in there, a lightweight boot review. Um, we've also got uh, Brandon. Well, uh, Brandon Mason was included in it, but all the guys over there at Eastman's did a three to five day pack review where they reviewed different packs for the three to five day trip. So that's going to be a really good one to read. Um, man, there's like a, a 241 gross buck on the cover. Uh, mule deer buck so that'll be awesome to read i can't wait to see that uh nick best he's been on the podcast he's got a giant mule deer in there so just a really cool episode make sure you guys check it out um also check out our youtube channel um the guys on there uh zeiss came out with a new spotting scope it's a conquest uh, gavia and uh it's just a great scope they did a review on it it's on the youtube channel so make sure to go to the youtube channel and check that out um Boy, okay, I think I covered everything. Let's get this thing rolling. Me and Dan Heverin, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, so I'm live here with my buddy Dan. Um, man, we were just out fishing today and caught some awesome fish, and so now just back here at the house getting late, and we thought we'd lay down a podcast. So, Dan, thanks for being on. Yeah, I appreciate it. And fishing was awesome today. Freaking weather was a little breezy and rainy, but it turned out that the fish were biting nonstop. It was a blast. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, heck yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, Dan's one of my good hunting buddies. We've been hunting together forever. Gosh, we've been all over about every state out west, elk hunting. Um, 
Dan just has a knack for getting it done, and he really has a knack for elk. It seems like everywhere he walks, he gets into elk. Um, so we've kind of found this spot over the past year. Like we've been, or past years, we've been hunting it for, gosh, it must be. Seven, I think. Seven years, I think. Seven years. Yeah, I wasn't sure. Six or seven. But yeah, yeah seven years we've been hunting this spot. And we found this spot. Um, we went over, you know, we studied our maps, put in for this special tag, and then we drove over in the middle of the rainstorm. Do you remember that? <laughs> the rain and snow slash wind. Yeah, that was that was a wicked trip. Yeah, so we found this new spot, did all our research, and then went in there just blind to learn a new unit, like we had done multiple times before in different units. But this unit was a little bit different. Um, it, it just had a reputation for just giant bulls in there. And that's kind of both what we were looking for. We both yeah. killed really good bulls, wilderness bulls and yep. bow bulls. But we were just looking for more opportunity, more of those 350 plus type bulls. Yeah. You know, the big ones are you can actually make a few plays, not just find one bull up in the mountains. And that's your only shot. This is this this area that I think that we we found we can actually make multiple plays on multiple different caliber bulls, which makes it a lot of fun. So I, I love to be able to put on a little bit more miles where we're at and, and go after a lot of different caliber bulls, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, the population's good in there, and the population's yeah. good, and then it's also fairly open country. Like, there's a lot of cover in there where they can hide and, and stay away through the middle of the day, but it's like you can see them, and if you can actually see them, you can kill them. Yep, yep, yeah, whether you want to hunt them while they're, while they're up and moving, while they're up and bugling, or if you want to actually play what I would call the mule deer style of hunting and wait for them to bed and make in a stock in their bed, I mean, the choices are kind of endless over there. I mean, it's, it's, it's either whatever you want to hunt, which makes it a lot of fun. I mean, let, let them bed down, then go for it. I mean, you take your time. Get the win right, take your time, and then go for it. Or if you want to be be aggressive on them, fine. Run them down and, and, and play that game. I mean, either way, whatever you prefer you, you want to do. But, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so uh, we decided we were going to go over there. And uh, this place muds up, and you hear rumors about the mud. And, I mean, what's <laughs> mud to me and you? I mean, we've been through it all. I've about killed you I don't know how many times. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, it's going to rain a little bit. It's like, oh, I'll put on my big boy pants and let's go yeah. get over there and go do some hunting. So we prepared for it. I think we stuck a four-wheeler in the back, right? We yeah. borrowed one yep. from your dad. Yeah, we did. did yeah. Right? Yeah. And uh, so we just went for it. And so we got over there and said, oh, a little mud, no big deal. I've, I've mudded before. I'm from Washington. So that doesn't scare me. <laughs> we got over there, and it's like nothing I've ever been a part of. That stuff yeah. was so sticky, and I... I think it was my truck we drove over. Yep, we did. We took yeah. your truck. Um, it didn't look the same after that trip. Um, neither did the four-wheeler. <laughs> I remember having to do a lot of work to my dad's four-wheeler before I dropped it back off to him. Right. Didn't you have to replace the front end or something? Or Actually, yeah, the seals on both the axles were completely shot, and they were full of mud. So I had to take the whole thing apart, clean it, try getting it fixed before I dropped it back off. And there's a lot of things my dad doesn't know about it. But it still runs. Um, yeah, it was quite an experience. You know, the problem about it is you touch a piece of mud, and you're out there and you're covered in it and anything you touch after that it smears on and you just you just can't get it off i mean remember your coffee mug you remember that thing looked like after we were done you're probably still running that damn thing but it's just the paint peels off i mean everything just pretty much gets ruined so you just if, if you go in that country you just you just got to be just be willing just to sacrifice and make it happen it's a lot of fun it's just it is a it is a chore, though. It's There's nothing easy about it. That's the challenge of that place. Yeah, and there's no base to it. Like, that mud is just, like, mud for, I don't even, like, <laughs> 8, 10, 12 yeah. inches, like, down to planet Earth, I think, to the crust of the Earth. But there's no base to it. And so you just keep slipping around. So 
we went and I mean, it's just, um, we went and we buried my truck, I think, or we yeah. at least got it stuck enough yeah. to where we go, well, we're not going to be able to get the truck in here. And so yeah. we, we backed out middle of the night, pouring down rain. We got out of there and we drove back to the highway and we thought, okay, well, we'll just unload the four wheeler and let's rock and roll. Yeah, we're going to get in there one way or the other. And, so we drove all night with the four-wheeler to get in there. And like you say, you, you hit that mud on anything, and it just gets caked on everything. It's on your face. And so I think I, – I don't think we had goggles. I think we should have brought some, but I don't think at the time <laughs> we had them. And the one thing that actually cracked me up, uh, hiking behind you or in front of you or whatever we were doing, was actually the balls of mud you would get. I mean, I would grow six inches. I mean, I would be walking over there stumbling. I'd feel like I was walking on a softball, just mud caked all over my shoes. It was just, it was just wild. And I remember getting, gosh, once we got camp set up, which we had no idea where we were camping, if we were on a road, if we were in the, I mean, we didn't know where we were. But once we got set up, we got 45 minutes, hour, hour nap in, lights came on. And, and to be honest with you, I remember being on a bull right off the bat. Mm -hmm. I was I had plays in pretty much immediately. I had plays on great. He actually my the one bull I remember I'll never forget this. I mean I I'm almost positive it's probably the widest bull I've ever been on in my life, and it was just right off right off the bat. And I good good win and a great play. I'm actually surprised I didn't knock him down, but it was a great trip. It learned a lot in a short amount of time, but. Yeah, it was quite the experience. So you you passed a shot at that bull, if I, I remember right. Like yeah, you had like yep. an eighty yard poke and passed and just wanted to get a little bit closer and then the yep. deal busted up. Yeah, exactly. And it was like a wide seven or something yep. if yep. I remember I think right. It was a, yeah, wide six by seven if I remember correctly. Okay. Just a great bull, great I I mean, I don't want to throw out caliber size, but just one of those true true great bulls and it was just a blast you know it was the first few hours of hunting there so it's like oh do i just shoot the first one i see i mean that bull of course you do but um yeah it was just it was a blast you know i'm actually kind of glad i didn't knock him down at, at the start because we, we learned so much more after that so i'm actually it was it was a blast yeah so well i see i don't remember it exactly like right off the bat getting into him i remember camping at that spot like in the middle of the mud flats we woke up and like everything inside the tent and outside the tent is wet and full yep. of mud yep. i remember freezing it was still raining that next yep. day and we went and made a hunt off there if i remember right we saw a spike or didn't see anything and then built a fire and got warm and oh, kind of right. changed yeah. our mood around yep. and then we worked down off that edge of that big draw that we still yep. hunt to this day up in the top end of it yep but we got in that big draw, and then I think that's where we split up, and you went down, and that's where you got yep. on the 6-7, yep. but I think that was the next morning. Oh, okay, okay. Yep. That probably makes sense. But, yeah. yeah, we got on a bunch of bulls in there and found a spot, but elk hunting, you're just always evolving and always trying to learn more, and it's it's tough to go in a spot one time and learn it. And so we've been – we probably got 100 days in that country. I'm sure we do. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we went, we went that season, and we were just weekend warriors, and we had long weekends, but – we, we were close on bulls that week and came back the next week and hunted the next weekend. I think I ended up shooting a bull. Um, that, narrow, yeah. that narrow six. The yeah, narrow, that, tall, stand-up yeah. six point you got down. Yep. So that was um, – and that was due to you too. Like I say, Dan just hit – you know, you sit in camp and you go, okay, which way are you going, left or right? And Dan will go left. Dan always gets into elk. <laughs> like you just find elk. Yeah. Like, and I think a lot of it – you know, and I've got a good attitude and I'm a good elk hunter and I killed quite a few, but – it just seems like everywhere you walk, you find bulls and you find big ones. Like you just got a knack for it. I think it's that you like keep believing that you're going to find bulls around every corner and you keep hunting really hard and pushing really hard to locate them. 
Yeah, actually, it's exactly what you said. I, I actually don't really ever give up because I know eventually I'm going to roll into something good. I know it's either going to be a great one or just a good six, which any any six gets me extremely excited. So I just I like to push. I really like to see what I can actually get, you know, how many miles I can put on and just go and go and see what I find. I mean, how many times did I find one, you know, late morning, I let them bed, I'll come back to camp, get a, get a snack with you and be like, hey, all right. By the way, I got a bull bedded. Let's let's go back. Let's go back and check this thing out. And and it's worked. It hasn't worked out every time by any means. I've made a lot of mistakes, but uh, but I've you know I was always fortunate enough to always get on bulls and see great ones and be able to hunt with you and and bring home some actually some really really good animals. But yeah, I mean it's it's always a challenge. I mean um, we fought off rattlesnakes. Um, to be completely honest with you guys, one of the biggest challenges down there for me is um, the spiders and the spider webs. I'm not kidding you. I can actually walk through four or five foot tall sagebrush and you can walk through these spider webs and it actually pulls the sagebrush into you. I mean, it, you can feel it pulling against you. That's how thick these spider webs are down there. And it was kind of surreal at first. I'm like, what is going on? When you got a spider that's two, three inches wide and it's standing on its hind legs and hissing at you, you're like, where <laughs> Where am I? Where the heck is going on? This this place is nuts. So that was always that was a challenge too. You know, I I was fortunate enough to kill the biggest rattlesnake in my life down there. If I remember correctly, I still have a buttons. I think it was a fourteen or fifteen button snake, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that night we were walking out super late. And I I think I I don't know if I stepped on him, but I got damn close to stepping on him. And we I we took him that night. That was a, that was a mm-hmm. great snake. Good trophy. Yeah, oh yeah, that uh, that was in a different drainage, a different yeah. year. Like I remember, was it that year? Or maybe even that hunt, we were coming out, and remember I about stepped on that rattlesnake, and I jumped, (laughs) and it was all coiled up, and then there was a bunch of babies coiled around it, and we both about stepped on it, and we were hop-feeting around. (laughs) But yeah, no, you're right, that place is just different than any place I've experienced. Like It's lower in elevation, the bulls winter good, Uh, they don't give many rifle tags in there, and so you you get a lot of mature six points in there ripping around, but the the spiders is something i've never seen like a tarantula in yeah, Montana. Yeah, yeah. like you say a fuzzy big spider like not a pretend one a real tarantula yeah i mean and they, they, the they walk webs yeah, yeah those are crazy and then like um and the other spiders you're talking about yeah it's like speedometer cable and they're like big bright colored spiders blue and yellow well, do you remember that that's that hot day it was it was scorching you and i were just all we were trying to do is find shade and we were up on that next to that barbed wire fence on this one ridge. I just remember just leaning up against it, hanging out, and I found this huge web. Do you remember feeding the grasshoppers to that spider that was on that web and watching that thing attack those grasshoppers? And it was just like, holy crap, that thing's aggressive. Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was yeah, pretty cool. So you learn pretty quick. You need, a, you need a bottom to your tent. Like we tried to camp with a yeah. wall tent. And uh, at night, you shine your headlamp around, and you can see all their eyes coming yeah. out of their webs. Like you don't know what's crawling on you over there. And yeah. I think we've been attacked by mice over there too. Yep. So yep. I think we stopped bringing out the wall tent and started doing pup tents. But it's also in that country, like it's not just knowing one spot or one drainage. It, it's knowing a bunch of different spots, and you're really good at exploring. And you were saying the the bull that I killed the first year over there, that tall narrow six point, yep. that was on a tip from you. I think I was. Yep. I'd been on some elk and on these canyons and you were down to your last day. And I think I had one more day. That's right. I, I, uh, I remember just kind of going over to a place that you and obviously we, we didn't know about. And I heard a bugle up on top that morning and I ended up heading a little bit more South than I originally planned. And I, and I got into a little bit of a party of bulls and I didn't see everything that was there, but I heard more than what I saw. I got, a, I got a few plays that morning and I had to actually head back to work, but 
Yeah, if I remember right, I don't know. Was your dad with us on that trip, or was it just you and I? I think, on that one? I think dad was there too. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think I think uh, yeah, kind of pushed you guys over to that drainage, and and it worked out great for you. To be honest, and mm-hmm. it was awesome. It worked out great, and I got a picture within I think a day of, of a good six. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was like, heck yeah, there you go. For sure. Well, yeah, that was off your hot lead, but yeah, I remember. Well, and sometimes you can get in trouble following hot leads yeah, oh, because yeah. yep. you know the guy already chased onto yep. those bulls, and they're not in that canyon anymore, yep. but. Yeah, I remember you said, man, there was a bunch of bulls in there, bulls I didn't even get on. And then uh, I remember asking you, like, uh, would you go back in there tonight? And he goes, yeah, I wouldn't go anywhere else. It's like, yeah, "Yeah, that's where I'm going. And then ended up going in there and killing that nice six point that night. But yeah, you know, we've had a bunch of good years and good memories in there. Um, Yeah, it's just a wild place where those bulls can grow up. And then, you know, that's where I was this year where I I filmed that hunt for Eastman's and killed a nice six point over there. But we were dealing with the same mud and rain. Like that place just has its challenges and it's a cool place to hunt. But, uh, you you know, you, you definitely got your work cut out for you. Yeah, I think we do a really good job. Um, the one thing about us I, that I really enjoy is we're not scared to move our camp. I mean, we'll move our camp every single night if we want to. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can we can pack up, throw it in the back of the truck, and move on to the next spot. Um, uh, we do a lot of what I would call night hunting, which is not actually hunting at night, but it's it's traveling around on closed down trails or closed down in, in the trees or in, in the bush, and we're actually walking at night, and we're actually going around and we're finding elk parties. So we're finding a, groups of bulls that are actually bugling and stuff. So not only are we hunting them during the day, chasing these things down and learning new ground at night, we're actually doing the same thing. Grab the GPS, grab the, the headlamp, heck, grab a bicycle if you can get down in some of the trees and some of the trails. If not, just go for a long long hike at night and listen to the parties and listen to what's going on. These bulls, they, they travel nonstop, whether it's early season, um, they're, they're, they're grouping up their cows, or if it's or late season, they're just they're looking for that very last cow. Um, they're always moving. Um, so I just, my advice would be is always move with them, be willing to move camp from one spot to the next, go up high in the mountains if you want, go down low, always constantly move, move around, learn as much as you can. Heck, go, go for like what you and I do. We do it all the time. Jump in the truck, drive down the road a little bit, and then ju- get out and walk down this drainage in the middle of the night and just just listen to what's there. Yep. I mean, it gives you a great start for the next morning. If you have any question on where to go in the next morning you really don't know, I suggest go out in the middle of the night and go listen. Mm-hmm. And it's worked out for us several times. No, you're so right. Yeah, I forget about that. That's one of the best tips out there. And well, like in this spot, and we hunt a lot of wilderness spots and national forest spots and different, but this spot is where we do a lot of truck camping. And we do that and we go in per day into different spots. And and you can just cover so many miles and relocate over there. And it seems like, you know, if you if you blow a big six or it doesn't work out, you know, you can be back to camp and roll a different spot. But during this, you know, we hunt a lot of wilderness spots and national forest spots. But you know, in those spots too, like a lot of it is where you stick your camp. I think yep. you spend a lot of the night listening, like where you camp. Yep. And we do that when we're hunting over there. We're truck camping. We try to strategically place our camp to where we're listening to a drainage at night. And then you're not wasting a morning hunt or an evening hunt, seeing if there are bulls in there. You get, you get to hear them at night. And just like you're saying, yeah, we'll go bike a closed road or go hike a closed road or go listen over drainages and go do a loop at night just to find the elk party. And once you find the elk party and you can get into a bunch of different bulls that are fighting it out over cows, you know, that's when you kill good bulls. And and same thing with the wilderness. It's where you put your camp. And yep. you, you put it at the tops of drainages where you can listen in and see if there's any elk in there. And if, if there's elk in there, I mean, during the rut, very rarely are they not talking. You yep. know, if it's a solo bull with his cows, maybe not. But it just seems like they're they're doing their deal. And if you camp above them, I mean, they're, they're, 
the least active in the daytime. They're the most active morning, evening, but mainly during the middle of that night. And yeah. so, yeah, yeah, so if you're listening in that middle of that night, like you say, you get into those rep fests, and, and that's where you kill bulls, where you go in and there's, you know, two, three bulls or five, six bulls, maybe even eight, nine in that late season when they really group up, you know, a bunch of bulls down in there. But to hear that elk party, boy, you sure know where you're hunting in the morning. Yeah, I mean, we hunt together very well. We always have. Another really good positive thing about us when we're out hunting is we're not afraid to split up. I'm going this way this morning, I'm going that way this night, and we'll split up constantly, and we will both help each other find out where a party is, or if one guy gets one down, we'll meet up later on the on the radio, on the phone, or, or just meet up at camp for lunch, and we'll go help each other out, but it's always good, especially in a new spot. If you guys are out looking for new spots, split up. Go for go for a 10, 14-mile hike on your own, uh, and p- pick a morning or a day, and just completely be out by yourself, and then obviously if you're hunting with two guys and you're splitting up, you're covering twice the ground. So, I mean, you can learn an area twice as fast if you're hunting with your, with your buddy. I mean, you trust the guy you're going with and, and you get you get two perspectives over, over the country that you're hunting. So, it, that's always worked out really well for oh, us. For we, sure. we learn that that country extremely quick and be like, no, this just isn't, this isn't the spot for us. Let's move on to something higher, something lower and move around to this this drainage or this creek or and then, you know, another thing I know everybody knows about elk and a lot of people set up on water holes and stuff. Um, this particular spot, um, the water is actually not all that great <laughs> and the, the elk, I think are really, really willing to travel a long ways to actually get into a good, good water. Um, sitting on water holes is not my style of hunting at all. I don't sit still very well. I do not tree stand hunt and I do not blind hunt whatsoever. I just, I can't sit, sit still long enough and I like to be able to move with the animals and actually find them. When they're actually feeding, where they're bedding, I like to, to sneak in. That's my type of, uh, type of hunting, and I know it's the same same goes for you. So I think the more moving around you do in this style of country, definitely for elk, high mountains or, or low on the prairie, I think the more moving around you do, learning the country and learning patterning. If you have the time and the days, um, sit back and pattern those elk. If they're not getting pressured by you or any other humans, they're, they're going to stay doing the same thing day after day. They're going to be happy where they're at. They're going to move that drainage. They might go three or four miles over for water and then, and then three, four miles back to their bedding. And, and don't be scared to let them go out of your sight because they're probably the next day, if they're not getting bumped, they're going to come right back. Mm-hmm. Um, we hunt a pretty pretty aggressive style. Um, it, all, it all depends. If, we, if there's not very much pressure around, but we'll slow up on them and we'll hunt them like mule deer. Shit, we'll, we'll let them be in their beds and let them camp out and then we'll, we'll get the wind right and then sneak in the middle of the day when it's warm. And their heads are down. I mean, or well, early in the morning, they're bugling, chasing their cows around, chasing other bulls off. We'll try cutting them off. I mean, there's so many different styles of hunting out there. And I just feel like Brian and I do a lot of a mixture of everything. I mean, we, we always constantly mix it up and make make really good choices. And it's always really worked out for us. Oh, yeah, for sure. So water's tough over there. Those bulls travel. Uh you remember the first place we got water over there? <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah. We're, so we're wilderness guys. We hunt all these these backpack hunts, and for elk we have our whole lives, and then for mule deer we're constantly going to all different kinds of places to hunt these mule deer. And so, you know, we're just not accustomed to truck camping. Really, I mean, we truck camp and we truck hunt and different hunts, but. When we went over there to kill bulls, we're just wilderness guys. So, you know, for water, we didn't bring a bunch of bottles of water or anything smart like that. Yeah. Like, we just, I just brought my filter. Yeah, like I, yeah. We'll I mean, there's water around. over there, right? Yeah. There's a river running through there and everything yeah. else. 
And we get over there, and it's just all the grossest water on planet Earth. It's all just turning mud because of all the rain, and you know all those creeks are all mudded up, and so it looks like the the, the Nile River. Like, yeah, I think we both ruined our pumps on that trip. I yeah. think both our both our filters were completely shot. So we tried that. to get some from the stinky creek down in the bottom. Oh. Like, and I wonder why in the heck I got Jardia. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I don't know if I got Jardia from there, but I did get it once in my life. I think yeah. from from some spot. But yeah, we pumped out of the stinky. Creek down in the bottom. I, I remember you brought back a bunch of water from the creek, and yeah. you're all, "Yeah, I got us water." And <laughs> smell it, and just the look of it. And like, oh, I think we finally good. ended up getting water, uh, like out of a. Where a four-wheeler had drove down the road, we crossed a road that yep. we walked. We walked across it, and, and in that country, you know, you can walk. And and a lot of the key to our success is finding where the humans are and finding the unpressured areas. Yep. The pressure, you know, it may be a roaded area. It's high populations of elk but we find the spots where there are no roads or there are no access or there are closed roads in and through there and the harder you work for them and the farther you get back that's where you find a lot of those parties but anyways we were coming back after crossing this road and the the four-wheeler had sank (laughs) down about 10 inches in and then that whole track was just full of water and it was clear because all the mud settled (laughs) and that's where we ended up getting our water was pumping it out of a four-wheeler track to be able to survive over there for the weekend don't super highly recommend that but it but it worked out for us just fine but uh yeah i would come a little bit more prepared next time and we have since then (laughs) yeah for sure yeah you learn from it but you know you just got to take chances to find new spots um you know, in, in, in new elk spots, we're always looking and we're always evolving. We've got this, you know, we've been hunting for quite a few years over there and we like that unit and, and we're not opposed to changing units. Um, we've got a backup second choice unit we're thinking about and, and uh, you know, maybe changing here or there, but we're just always exploring within that unit. And then even though we know all these good spots, it seems like I just can't help it. I've got to roam. I'm always looking for that next epic elk. Well, party. the curiosity of yeah. what lays over on that drainage. I've mm-hmm. never actually walked all the way down. I mean, you can see it on the map all day long. You can Google Earth it like I do every single day. I, I'm on Google Earth all every day at, at work. I check it either morning or when I'm doing my numbers at the end of the day. I, I check Google Earth and be like, I just wonder what that really looks like. Zoom in on it all you want. That's great. That's great knowledge to have, but... It's nothing like actually walking through and finding the little hiding spots or what actually could live down there. And I mean, it's it's a blast actually just putting on the miles. If you're willing to put on the miles, I think that's, you know, keep in really good shape and just go after mile after mile. And, and that's the best way to learn it. Yeah, right. for sure. Walking through country. Yeah. Well, you got to know when to slow down. Elk are funny yeah. though. You know, it's all about locating them and then you can hunt a bull. Yep. You got to locate a bull before you can hunt a bull. And so in that locating period, it seems like you are just covering country and glassing and, and kind of, you know, over top of each ridge when you come over the top, you got to really know when to slow down because you're covering miles and you're getting somewhere, but then you get to that spot where it's going to expose some more country and you really got to be careful as you creep up over that ridge. And yep. so, you know, and I think it just, it comes from experience and elk hunt a bunch. I mean, that's the worst uh, feeling in the world when you come over the ridge <laughs> and, you, fast yeah, and you blow a bull out of there. Yep. I just hate that. I get tricked a lot too. The way bulls bugle, a lot of times you're chasing bugles, you know, and you got to keep up with these elk to try to see them and locate them to get a play to, you know, and a lot of times when they bugle away from you and then it echoes off the far canyon yep. wall, it tricks me. And I think they're close they're far than they really are because yep. it echoed off the far canyon wall yep. and I'll, I'll run over and I'll blow them up. God, I've done that a couple times. It just kills you. You're finally on a 350 plus bull and you make a rookie mistake like that. Yep. But you, you just, 
you try to learn from it and evolve from it and just become a better elk hunter. Like you got to really be in tune with the elk woods when you're, when you're moving through knowing when to slow down, especially when you're hunting a bull, knowing, you know, when to slow down your footfalls where you're really being quiet when you're sneaking in on them, you know, when you can't quite see him yet, but you know, he's right there. Um, but it, there's a lot of instincts that go into play when you're hunting elk. Yeah. I, I just think, I mean, the number one thing is use your glass. I mean, if you know you're getting close, I mean, and you, you think you can see with your naked eye just fine, I mean, just pull up your glass and just give it a once-over. That's helped me out tremendously in the last few years of not doing exactly what you've done, run, it, run over the ridge or, or got into this draw and you're, you're sneaking into a brush to kind of sit down and pull up your glass. Well, before you get there and before you get down into your spot you want to sit, glass it before you get down there because there's a lot of times there might be a lone bull, a little satellite bull hanging down there or some cows. I mean, it's so easy to, 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 to bump these elk. I mean, they'll pick you off. It's so fast. I mean, they're, they're constantly looking for you. They're constantly on the move. Um, they're sniffing the air. I mean, it's just always a, always a constant battle with the elk. And so, yeah, there's time to be aggressive. I mean, everybody wants to get on the elk first thing in the morning. They're bugling. They're they're chasing cows. They're chasing they're chasing other bulls away. You want to be in the party as soon as you as soon as you can in the morning. You're almost you're almost kind of frantic to get on them at first thing in the morning when they're when they're bugling. I mean, that's when it's hot. But I, I think yeah, get some bulls located, put some eyes on them, and then once you have have them located, I mean, slow down, slow slow way down. I mean, creep in on them, always, always check your win and just kind of take your time and, and just see where they're heading. I mean, if you want to play the cutoff game, that's great. Just, it, you just got to really play the win, but I, there's a time to be aggressive and there's also a time, um, to slow down. I, I, my, my history for hunting is I think I'm more of a mule deer guy. Um, and so mule deer, I always play the, the silent stalker, you know, the mountain lion, you know, cat and mouse game on mule deer. And I've really kind of approached that with elk. The last few years with elk, I've been fortunate enough to, to kill a bull like every other year or whenever I've got them. And it's most of the time when I'm successful is when I really, really slow down, play the wind, play the elk, you know, really, really take my time in on my stocks and let, let them be natural what they're doing and try to get them either in their bed or just, I, I've never really been successful. If I spook them once that for me to be able to chase them down, make another play really doesn't work out for me. It's, it's the original Sneaking in, taking your time, and not not blowing anything up is when I've been successful. Yeah, you get one chance at it, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. That's that's what's been working out for me. You know, really, really slow down. Be aggressive when you have to be. You know, you know, cut down those miles when you when you know the elk are on the move, or they're leaving water, or they're leaving their feeding ground. Yeah, I mean, shit. You and I jog all the time. We jog towards them as as much as we can. Cut off cut off the miles as fast as we can. But when it's time to slow down, we'll sit down and we'll we'll stop and we'll. We'll glass everything. We'll glass in front of the elk, behind the elk, on the side. I mean, we'll slow way down until it's go time, and, and I think it's, that's helped us out a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we, we've hunted so much together. Like, we've done so many buddy stalks on them, and I think those yeah. were good, too. But we do. Like, there, there's a time to be aggressive, and there's a time to sit back and watch and wait. And, and the only thing that tells you what the right time to move in on is, is just your experience and instincts, and you kind of just – Go with your gut and try to decide if it's high percentage, low percentage, what the wind's doing, yeah. where the elk are at. And and when we do go all in, I mean, it it is hardly ever are, you know, you're, you, you're racing to get close to the elk, but then you're always slowing way down and stalking so slow and silent to try to get into them. Um, you know, you, you're never running recklessly into elk. It seems like it's always got to, you know, you, you may run to keep up with them and coyote them. 
like you coyote the herd, yeah. stay with the herd so you can watch where they're going to bed or where they're, they usually slow down right before they bed, you know? And so you try to keep with the herd so then you can get into where they might slow down. But anytime you're creeping in on them, there's so many eyes, you know, you, you just really got to take your time and do those, those really planned out stocks. Like you're talking, like we do for mule deer and we are, we're, we're muley guys, but I don't know. Come September, yeah, was, I'm gotta, an elk guy. Come September, elk, right? Yeah. Everybody loves those bugling bulls. Um, you know, another thing Brian and I do extremely well is we communicate like crazy. We're always picking each other's brain on, hey, what do you think about this stock? What, what's the odds of this? What do you think about going up over that ridge at this time? Um, you know, splitting up at this time or snock, uh, sneaking in, uh, you know, putting a stock on together. You know, we're, I mean, we'll be side by side on it. I mean, two inches apart, sneaking on a great big bull. And it's worked out great, great for us. I mean, we, we communicate nonstop when we're out in the field. Like, hey, what do you think about this? We both come up with ideas, plans. Like, hey, I think I think we can get there in 15 minutes. What do you think? Like, all right, let's go for it. Let's bust it, you know. I mean, strap on the pack. Here we go. And, you know, it's just you got to work together. Trust trust your hunting partner. Um, you know, trust knowledge and, and uh, his gut feeling too. You know, go with yours as much as you can. But trust your guy that you're hunting with and, and uh, try to, you know, try to use each other for the advantage, you know. Yeah, no, there's – uh, that's the cool thing is there's never any ego when we're hunting together. We're always just trying to come up with the absolute best plan to kill that bull. And, and so you're right. We're just constantly discussion, discussing yeah, like stock. every little facet of the stock and, you know, every little detail of it. And, you know, what's the wind doing? What do you think it's doing down there? What do you, you know, and you come up with points and back and forth, but it's, it's never really an argument. We're all for the same cause. We're just trying to find the best way to that bull or to that buck. But no, you're right. We do a good job of communicating and, and we trust each other too. And, and like when we're buddy stalking, I, I think we're, more effective than when we're stalking solo you know we've hunted so much together like i think we've got two sets of eyes and two brains working and the back guy knows he's in the passive role and he's not trying to pass the front guy but he's also glassing and trying to keep an eye out you know in the in the peripheral vision or the side vision or looking in different spots and the moment you see something you're touching that front guy you know to get him to stop and so i i think we stalk really good together yeah you got a guy holding his bow and he's belly crawling with the bow on his back or the bow in his hand crawling and his head's down he's sneaking through brush or underneath a branch well then uh, the other guy behind him either grabs the back of his foot or just slightly whispers or communicates like hey don't move just freeze just and we just wait 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 there okay now you're free now you go so you always have a guy watching the herd you always have a guy watching the bull or the buck or whatever you're hunting you got a guy with his eyes on him all the time and then he can communicate to the guy that's actually moving in on the stock so i mean it's just it's back and forth, you know, you know, play, you know, play the game that way, you know, don't, 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 uh, don't worry about, I don't know, the communication is really key for us, I guess, we always, we always play that, we always, like, hey, man, what's, what's our play on this, what's the odds on this, and then at the same time, like, hey, I'm gonna go down on this buck, and I'll make a stock, look, look where he's, the, his only escape is this route, why don't you go around, get below him, or get on the next to him, so if I actually do roll a rock, or I spook him, well, guess what, he'll probably, he'll jump, and he'll look back at me, and you might, you might have the shot, I mean, split it up, and work as it, work as a team, we're not, he, it's not just Brian's, we're filling Brian's tag. We're not just filling Dan's tag. I mean, we're both there. We're both going to hunt. Even if I fill my tag, guess what? Next weekend, I have off. I'm going with Brian. We're going to mm -hmm. go do it all over again. That's just how, that's just how we are. 
Yeah, for sure. No, we've always been that way and happy for each other to be successful. And yeah, when you kill a buck, you know, yeah. I feel like it's as much mine yeah, as yours exactly. or is it, you know, same with me as much yep. yours as mine. But yeah, no, we really do good working as a team. I, I like what you were saying, like uh, when we do those escape route stocks, yeah, you yeah. know, those things work pretty good. They it's do. pretty <laughs> slick. Yeah. Like you, you figure out who's going to stock or who's up for the stock and and, you know, we usually figure out who's shooting before we're stocking in yeah. on a bull yeah. or a buck. That way there's no, you know, and I, I don't know that you need to do that, but that's kind of what we do. So we're yeah. never racing each other. We, You know, I know Dan's shooting or Dan knows I'm shooting and we're both working towards the common goal. But um, I like, like you say, those buddy stocks that we've done where we see escape routes yeah. and we see like a trail leading out or we, we've seen like that one spot in Colorado we've seen those bucks escape that one yeah. way through that saddle yeah. how many times till we finally went, hey, why don't you go wait on yep. that saddle up yep. there? And those I bucks- killed a buck because of that exact reason. My buckskin buck I killed. I killed him because of the- we knew they were going to cross over there. You had to play on a different buck out and around, and I was I was down in that saddle, and it mm-hmm. worked out great. Yeah, for sure. Well, and we, we played it on other bucks too that last big one i killed yep. in colorado yep. exactly. yeah i think you were sitting on the yep. escape I, route. I had him cut off yep. i had i had no matter what one of us is was gonna have a play because yep. i had him cut off yep and i think um the other buck came by and got up close and yep. winded you or something but that buck i ended up killing he just never went to the escape route and and also the one in the missions you yep. were on the on trail, oh, trail. basin yep. you were on the trail and i ended up killing that that yep. buck on the stock or whatever but yep. i really do like those escape routes and i think we got to play that with with elk a little bit more too um is try to figure out where they're going to go and put a guy in front of them because man if you can be in front of elk or in front of where they're headed boy you're really in the driver's seat to try to move around and get a shot and and even though spook they're moving quicker like you don't got to be a hundred yards from where they're going to escape you know you can you can just see a saddle a ways off or a ridge a ways off or be in the direction you think they're going to go and you got to play to get in front of them yeah and, and another point i have and we've i've known i've noticed this last couple of years we've actually done this is you sneak in on something, you got a guy at full draw, and you definitely on bulls. You guys know that bulls are always moving. They're 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 feeding or bugling or chasing. Cow. I mean, they're constantly on the move. So you get you get the one taking the shot. Yeah, of course he's going to range. He's going to knock an arrow and get ready to draw to shoot. Well, the other guy sitting there watching the whole thing go down. Have your range finder out and be ready to range. If that bull turns to go chase another bull off or to come up, any spooks at all or anything, they're always going to stop and look back at you a lot of the times. Well, be ready to help your guy out and be like, hey, Brian, I mean, yeah, yeah, he was at 40. Shit, he's at 62 now. I mean, be, be there with your rangefinder ready to help your guy out. It'll, it'll be ex- extremely beneficial just to be there, trust each other. We run the same rangefinder. We actually are... It's, we're fortunate. We have the same draw length. We can pick each other's bow up. We can, I mean, give me your release. I'm taking this one. Or I'm, I'm, I'm down an arrow. Give me one of your arrows. You know, we're kind of fortunate. You know, same size of guys. So we can, that works really good as hunting partners. But, I mean, we run the same range finder. So, I mean, our bows are sighted in. You know, every range finder is off a little bit different. Um, ours run, run really close to the same. So, um, my bow, I run, uh, you know, a single pin dial sight. So, I, can, I don't like pin gap in my shots. I really like to range know the exact yardage I'm going to dial to the exact yardage so I'm not I'm not taking any guesses nothing I'm holding on the spot I want to I want to kill and having a guy there ranging for you is is priceless i mean it helps out tremendously oh you're right i forgot that is such that a 340 huge advantage. big bull off that ridge you 
were trying to range him and you had your lanyard caught around your quiver or something <laughs> at one time. And it's like, dude, I got you. I'm right behind. I'm range. I got him, you know, you know, giving you your range, you know, trying to get you your shot. You know, if, if we would have communicated that before that, like, Hey, I'm right on your back. I got the range finder out. You know, we would have killed that bull. I, yeah. I know we would have killed that bull. Yeah. And so, I mean, taking advantage of that and, uh, you know, using each other as much as you can, you know, playing, playing, you know, Brian is a phenomenal, uh, runner i mean the guy has got more energy than anybody i've ever met in my life so um hunting with a guy like that you have to be on your game and he motivates you it's constantly motivating you know going playing each other's idea always helps but it's like hey i know i can get over there and it's like all right buddy you're up go for it and it's just kind of like it's kind of uplifting watching a guy like that hunt it's just it's just a lot it's a lot of fun you know it's like well all right now it's kind of a that's a little bit of a challenge brian can get over there and that well i can get over there too you know so it's it's just—it's not a battle. I don't want to say a battle, but it is. Um, we're really competitive, and we always make sure and keep up with the other guy. And it's—it's. It's, I don't know. It makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. No, uh, no, that range finding. Gosh, I just—I um, forgot about that. Like that is the bat guy's job. Anytime we're double stocking, that's always the bat guy's job. Yeah, I'll range find for you. Uh, we we kill quite a few animals yeah. doing that. Antelope, but, bears, yeah. the deer, yeah. everything. Yeah. Well, so it's a huge advantage when you're double stalking like that. Is is like the back guy. Like like if Dan's gonna hunt and kill this thing, we see something he's making a stock on. I'm the range find guy. That's my job. I got my range finder out, and I'm gonna get him a range. And he's got a single pin slider, but he never has to pull up his range finder. He's always yep. sliding his sight to exactly what I tell him. And you got a lot of responsibility in that position. But like you say, yep. we trust each other. We've hunted long enough, and you know I'm not gonna spout out a range that isn't right. I'm, yeah. It's gonna take. Oh yeah. Oh, he's eighty. Oh <laughs> shit. He looks like he's forty. Really? <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. No, that's totally it. But yeah, that is a huge advantage. But yeah, we we do we uh, we go for it. We you know it isn't just me motivating you. It's you motivating me. But we're always just theorizing of what the next play is and where the next spot is. And it, even if we didn't see anything for three days, yeah. you can guarantee on that fourth day we're going hiking somewhere. We're going to go find them. Yeah. And so you know we are like hunting with a with a partner you just always keep each other in good spirits you always keep pushing you always keep that next plan and and i remember like you talking about running but i remember like the wyoming hunt i remember going into the spot we scouted and there was just a bunch of big bucks in there during scouting and i think the sheep had moved through there yeah. and we saw a camp up top and yep. you know we just didn't see a lot of the bucks we had scouted we saw that real ugly horn oh one. yeah pretty nice that, buck we probably that really shot wide one on the way in did we see a great big wide one on the way in that was scouting we saw oh, the wide scouting. one okay. yeah that okay was a cool buck. That yeah was a great one. the super wide one like yeah. close to 40 yeah, right yeah great. we saw yeah. that during scouting heavy and wide yeah I never and we also wide. saw like the 220 230 sticker filled yeah. buck Yep. that we hunted in 2008 or, yep. and then we saw them in 2012 yep. um but yeah but we got back in there we didn't see any of those bucks we had scouted the sheep had moved through there camp on the ridge boot tracks in there like it just wasn't happening i had killed a buck in there like it yep. was pretty good hunting in there but we had to totally you know we'd hiked in with all our camp and all our stuff in our backpack and we're ready to go for 10 days and hike in there and it just wasn't what we thought and so yep. we hiked all the way out um, yeah, I, how, I many, how many miles did we move to a completely different yeah. mountain, basically? Different I mean, mountain range, but yep. I think we did grab a burger before yeah, we yeah, 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 the other mountain range. A little bit, yeah. Just totally tired of granola. We had only been hunting for a couple days, but I think yep. we did grab a burger and then uh, a few miles. Yeah, and then and then a bunch of miles into that next spot, but that yeah. next spot was epic. We yeah, went well, in I there. Got, I don't know how many plays I got. You got great plays. Um, 
you know, that, I remember that trip, uh, our little watering hole that turned out not to be what we thought it was, but uh, that was a blast. I mean, did do some, we find like another water hole like days yeah, later? Yeah, right down, yeah. right down just a little bit further down. That was great, crystal clear, cold running yeah. water. Yeah, no, we, we kind of dug a hole and uh, gosh, I don't want to gross anybody out, but I remember finding some kind of like white worms on the bottom of our water was there hole. really? I don't know. I just remember getting, I got sick on that trip. I remember uh, getting You a did little, get sick. I got sick on that trip. Was that but, the water or something you think? Or? Yeah. Well, that's what I blamed it on. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really know. Yeah. That, was, that was an epic trip. That was, we got, oh, man, we so saw epic. that buck you killed. We literally watched him rub his velvet off below us. Yeah. And to be honest with you guys, we were on such great bucks that, uh, we both passed that buck for four four days, mm -hmm. and we watched him. I think we saw that buck almost every single day. Yeah, he was a pretty one. Gorgeous buck. Just Great, like huge gorgeous. heads and huge ears on those deer. Yeah, huge and we, bodies. We thought he was like huge. a 170 type, yeah. which is a great shooter buck in yep. a lot of places we hunt. Yep. But this spot, we were just we had scouted it all summer, and we had seen multiple no, giants. No, I mean, the, the magical 200-inch bucks lived there. We saw them. Multiple. Yep. We, I mean, yep. we saw them. That saw we were them and hunted them. Yep. yep, absolutely. Yeah, there was the double sticker buck that we got on the cliffs yeah, above you awesome. know up and through there and then yep. yeah I, re I remember you were close to a buck in and through there the a, one a giant camp, one that, the one we had scouted yep, yep. yeah we saw oh, him during scouting right. yeah, and got was... pictures of him and you said he's way bigger than scouting you oh know? yeah I, I know he was 215 plus he was yeah. just a just a toad and um yeah i had a great play on him he had like four or five other bucks with him and and it was just it was just a lot of eyes it was it was a difficult play but uh yeah gosh dang it yeah, what a gorgeous deer. Yeah, we went. We did a buddy stalk on that yeah. one too. The yep. day I killed that buck. Yep. So you're right. We watched that buck scrape his velvet. And we were in there all by ourselves, and we had this uh, like the biggest thing when you're hunting high country muleys is to figure out where you're getting water. Water eliminates a lot of the pressure yep. if they can't find water. Well, we found this little spring, but like Dan said, it was bad. <laughs> we it was barely a trickle of water. And we had to dig out this mud pit so yeah. we could get water. Uh, and we found a few days later, like uh, what about like a half a mile yeah. over, we found another spring that was clear and so able to get our good water. Yep. But uh, anyways, we made a buddy stock on a buck that you were going to kill that yep. same day. I was going to kill that buck. We went down, made a buddy stock. We got close. That thing was feeding yep. like in range right in there. Didn't offer a real good shot, but we were sure close on that thing. Yep. Yeah, you didn't feel good. I remember you were sick the last couple angle, days. Yeah. Was a, it was a steep angle. It was just, yeah, it was well, kind of. Dude, we hunted Colorado. You killed the buckskin buck. Yep. We, yep. Had, we had hunted the backcountry for 16, 17 days. Oh, that was back to back. That yeah, was, right. right. We had one like, day, one day break. Oh, one day off in yeah, between. So we right. hunted two states. And it was just so many days, yep. so many miles. So we moved camp in Wyoming, but we had already been miles back in Colorado, yep. killed and packed out your buck back in there. I was really close on that giant buck the yeah, last day that jumped my that. string. Yep. Yeah. And we finally, you know, threw in the towel there. I didn't fill my tag. You killed that really nice one with the yep. big fronts. I love that yep. buck. Um so we packed that one out, and then yeah, one day off. I think you went to a wedding. Yeah, or something. I, 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 I was part of a wedding. It wasn't I, your own, but no, it's a it was close to my own though. Uh, my uh, sister-in-law actually at the time, uh, she got married. I came back the day she was married. I, I put the tux on. I was actually part of the wedding party. Got there, did the wedding thing, took the pictures, and I'm like, all right, I got to meet Brian like in an hour. I got to go, and, and I ended up leaving that same day. So I got there, then ended up leaving, meeting back with Brian, then and then on the road we went down to a different state. And, that was awesome. That was a that was an epic year. That was it was great. an epic year. Gosh, we got on some giant bucks. Yeah, Man. we sure did. So that buck we had passed behind camp, it was just <laughs> this typical buck. 
beautiful buck. He had Gorgeous a, a buck, sticker yeah. out either side. Yep. He shed his velvet, and then I took pictures. We found his velvet on the tree. Yep. Like, couldn't have shed more than 500 yards from camp, the velvet right there. But he yep. had moved to a different feature, and, and we moved, too. We moved to a vantage point where we could see the bucks weren't in their alpine basins anymore. Yep. They'd kind of moved down to secondary living, so they're still way up high on the mountain, like 9,9500, but they're not at 10.5. Yep. And they're on, like, these really steep, gnarly ridgelines with less openings, like avalanche shoots and stuff. Yeah, and with, with trees, they were able to get in and out of the trees and the brush a lot more. So the glassing, it, it made it a lot more difficult trying to find them. I mean, we knew they were there, but it was just kind of a different tactic, you know, look look down in the brush and they're going to move through in the mornings and, and it was just kind of a, a different way to hunt and and like i said we saw this buck i know we saw him at least three or four days i, I know in a mm -hmm. row we saw him we're like man it's a great buck but we know what's here we know what we're hunting for anyway and, and it came down to like brian just saying looking at me you know what what's i gotta go check this thing out i'm gonna, I'm gonna circle around and get on that buck i'm like Heck yeah go for it. it it was it was pretty cool yeah so we spotted that buck like Late in the evening, we yep. had like an hour of light, and yep. it was weighing the hell across that drainage. You know, yep. I remember like it was just like an opportunity, and we were yep. getting down there in days. And I was like, "Man, Dan, I'll be, I'll be That's happy right. with I, 170 inches." I, I stayed on the ridge, and yep. I, I was like, "Hey, Brian, hand signal time. You know, this, this is where it's going to go. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do nothing but keep my eyes on the buck." And then, all right, perfect. Brian wrapped all the way around this ridge. You know, way up, thousand feet, fifteen hundred feet in elevation, up and around. Dropped all the way back down, got on this buck, look, glassing over at me, and I'm like, I gave him the thumbs up. Yeah, still there, man. Still, still right below you. Go for it, mm -hmm. you know. And and that was that was pretty cool. I got to watch the whole entire thing go. Yeah, down. you watched the whole stop. Yep. So yeah, from when I left you to when I got to yep. the backside of that ridge, I never stopped running. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like going for it. It was yeah. like you're limited on time and you want to yep. make it there. And he was out and feeding where a lot of our high country bucks were hunting in their beds. We like to bed them and hunt them, you know. But these ones were in more cover, and so we had to take our opportunities as they came. And like you say, saw this buck and finally decided I wanted to shoot, and so ran over. He'd shed his velvet dark horn but it's just a beautiful typical 170 inch we thought so yeah. i ran over there you watched the whole thing from the canyon yep. across gave me hand signals good to go and then i crept down in and then just stuck a perfect arrow in him and yep. and the buck ran off and it was just getting dark and i i didn't get a good look and i knew he took off and i just saw dirt and stuff so i just backed out of there and came back to camp but yep. damn man i I think I hit that buck. I said, I think I hit him good. The arrow looked perfect coming in. Goes, yep. Dan goes, yeah, I watched him roll down the hill, bud. You got him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, don't worry about it. He's not going any further. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so then we went. Uh, we slept that night, went back over in the morning and went and found him and trailed him down and through there. And that's one of the yep. only deer that has really grown as we went oh, up to Oh, man, walking Just, up to that thing, I'm like, are you kidding is me? Is that the same deer? Did yeah. you get confused? But, yeah, it was a big heavy hard horn 190 inch deer yeah. like just a beautiful buck. yeah i mean any one of us would have shot that every single day oh, of the gosh. week and we like i said we watched that buck we both had opportunities on that buck and we watched him we watched him do his thing and and it was it was a great time watching him it was always fun to watch that buck but i had no idea he was as big as what he actually was yeah not i know a clue. Yeah, I did. he had big ears. Like his ear yeah. width was like twenty five. He was like a mule. Like yeah, I don't he know was a mule. Yeah. Big old head on him, and yeah, we just uh, underjudged him by twenty inches, which isn't like us. Yeah, We're usually within about five when yeah. we judge those things. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was uh, that was a fun buck. One of my fondest memories. Just so yeah. many days in the backcountry, and that we yeah. were getting down to our last couple days in there, if not our last day. 
And so to, to put a good arrow in that buck and then pack him out of there, that just meant the world to me. But that was a good season. Both tag bucks, like I ate my tag in Colorado. You ate it in Wyoming. Yeah, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's the way it goes sometimes. But uh, it sure is nice when we can both fill out in those states. But yep, it had opportunities. You know? Yeah, for sure. We did. We had stocks. I remember right when I left, I went, went to Colorado with you, and then we did the Wyoming thing. By the time I got out, I think I – I think I was down 30 pounds, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I think I lost 30 pounds in three weeks. I mean, it was it was an epic battle. It was, I mean, the lightning storms. Uh, you were, have you talked about some of our lightning storms? Just a little bit. I haven't got oh, into great detail. Oh, my God. All right. I, <laughs> so, the, so the worst one was... That Colorado. year in Colorado was that the? I mean, we've been in a ton of bad ones. I can't remember the worst one. But no, it was the very first year we went to Colorado. Very, very first year, I think. Maybe it was the second year because we knew where we were going. We got up on no, it had to be the second time we were down there because we went to the ridge. We knew where our camp was, so it had to be the second time. It was it was the buckskin buck like before we dropped down to the bottom over the other side. You think it was that year? I no, kind of think I it, think it was the year I killed my big buck. No, because we dropped down and lived in the bottom. That That's year right. that we, we got struck to. by we lightning. Have, we, we had no choice. We, we lived in the bottom. Yeah, in the sure. first year yep. when we filled we out on those camp, two bucks, yep. we lived on the top and we killed them yep. both from the top. Yep. So it was that year. Yeah, it was, I mean, I blew my legs up sprinting off of, I mean, what was that peak? It's 13.1, 13, 13.2 on yeah. that peak. I mean, 13,000 feet in elevation. I mean, you're up there. You're in the storm. You're part of the storm. Mm-hmm. I mean that thing. I mean, you got you got hundreds of lightning bolts all around, just going off, just crack, bam, 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 all over you, around you, and you're up at thirteen thousand feet. Where are you going to go? Yeah, I mean, it was it was camp set up behind this ridge, and and our best best way down was actually the complete opposite way of our camp, sprinting off the opposite direction <laughs> of our camp. Yeah. So we made it down to the bottom, and I don't know what time of night it was, but. We, held, we got down this little drainage, and we hunkered down for a couple hours, waited for that thing to pass enough. Then we had to turn around, and we, I don't know how many thousands of feet in elevation we dropped, mm-hmm. but we turned around, had to crawl all the way back to the very top of that thing, and then all the way back on the other side to the camp that night. And then we got back to our camp. I'm exhausted. I'm passed out. Then all of a sudden, here it comes again. And we're, we're camped probably, at that time, we're probably 800, maybe 1,000 feet lower than the peak. So we're still camped out at 12,000 feet. And that storm came back in, and that's when we grabbed our shit, and, and we rolled that we rolled down. Yep. And then the next morning, we ended up taking the long way around, gotten all the mountain goats, and took the long way around, and got and we started. We we're like, you know what? I mean, the weather looks like there's going to be thunderstorms every day, you know, coming and going. So we just changed tactics. I mean, usually we love to camp above the deer. We love just to be patient on mule deer. Always be above them. Um, don't ever let them see us, you know, don't, don't cross the ridge lines. I mean, always, you know, take our time and just be up top, save energy until it's go time. So camp above them. So you're not going up and down every single morning and every single night. You're, you know, try to, try to set up. So you're just, you're set up on them. Um, and if you can do that, great. Uh, that year, there's no way we could have pulled that off. Mm-hmm. We had to camp down low in the safety of the trees and, and, and closer to water. And that's just how we had to hunt it. Just to survive the lightning. Oh man, that was so, epic lightning. So storm. we got, so this spot in Colorado, I had hunted, I had hunted a bordering unit. I had killed a nice buck in yeah. there in Colorado. Yep. And then me and Dan went down as a, 
as a partnership and as a as a buddy team down there and we had studied up on this bordering unit and, and thought it was going to be good down there and we got in there and just had the perfect game plan we camped on top and we rolled over the top you shot a giant yeah, rock, such a heavy yeah, big one, one you know and then um dan started working to pack his buck out we're maybe like 15 miles back in and through there and so Dan's taking his buck out, and he left a quarter or something at his camp and in, in, in through there and started working to get his buck out, and then I killed that buck the next day. Yep. Just a gorgeous Mr. Perfect, Mr. Perfect buck, buck, yeah, we called it. Gorgeous them. buck. Yeah, and so we killed two giant bucks in there, and I mean, in the matter of about three days, all we had to do is pack them out. It went perfect. Yeah, it, it, it was yeah. uh, game plan executed, and, and so then we drew it the next year or the year after. I can't remember, but yep. we went back in there, and we figured we were going to run the same game plan at 15 miles in and over a peak and through <laughs> a unit and the whole deal. It's a it's a poke back in there, but yep. we got back in there. And, and uh, then we, we rolled around, and we just had to go look in this basin that was off this 13,000-foot peak, oh, like you say. The epic and, basin we have no idea how to get into. Yeah, we still don't yeah. know how to get into it. We're going <laughs> to bring our ropes or something. Yeah. We're going to get we into that down place. down to it, yeah. But there, I still have the pictures of that giant yep. buck in there. I don't know if you look back at yep. that buck, but yep. that's a 200-inch deer all day long, that big, heavy, typical. typical. Yeah. yeah, typical, so dark horn. We, yeah. we look back in the first little basin we come to, and all of a sudden they're just full of bucks, and we're looking at them, and all of a sudden the fog and the cloud kind of rolls in and we're way up high. We're not on the very top of the 13,000, but we're close to it. We can't be, but 400 yards from the top or yeah. something or 400 uh, vertical feet from the top. And so the clouds start rolling in fog. And I've had this happen before. The first lightning strike was right over our heads on the yeah. peak. We were on like that, that flash boom, like yeah. right in like at the same time, deafening loud, just Ba-boom, just crash and so we start <laughs> gathering up our stuff and we start racing and we got around this whole side hill to then dump over the side back to our camp and as we're racing across the side like like dan was saying it started shooting all around us and yeah. it was just pretty soon it got so sketchy it was like dude we got to get off here yep. and so we just started running towards the bottom with just lightning crashing all oh, over the place yeah. and i remember at one point we stopped in a little ditch down yep. in there and you looked at me and goes dude you know cpr yeah i seriously i, I thought <laughs> we were done for one of us is gonna get hit i mean it's like in matter of time one of us is gonna get nailed oh so dude it be was, prepared for this and and what i remember is i remember i said dude we got to get to those low trees yep. down there we yep. got to get to that cover down there and as we started racing to the low trees lightning hit that low cover and dan <laughs> yeah. looked at me and goes you know what the fuck you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> you know threw up his hands just like are you choking me you know and and uh so so we aborted and hugged there in the in that coulee and ended up getting down and riding out the storm and it passed but you know those are some of the scariest times yep. of my life some of those lightning storms we rode out and then like you say we had to climb all the way back up into yeah, camp after going 15 miles. Like you say, we blew up our legs so oh, bad. Yeah. And we had all we had done is hiked into camp, rounded yeah. the corner, and then we ran, ran, ran down the hillside, 1,500 vert or whatever yeah. we did, and then had to climb back that 1,500 feet vert and then climb back down to our tent down in there. Like you say, we barely got in our tent. I, I think <laughs> I remember getting dinner, and it's like, oh, man, we made it. You know, that yeah. was scary. That was sketchy. And all of a sudden, the storm of all storms just came over again and just blew us up in our tent. We were knocking down tent poles, and it's flashing all yep, around us, laid it down hailing and lightning, and just like pretty soon, like I just like, yeah, we gotta get out of here. Like we're just we're too high on the mountain, and we're not on the ridge line, but we were too high and too exposed, yep. and we dove off the mountain with our rain jackets, and so yep. we rode out that storm in our rain jackets. And I remember lightning hitting in our basin. I don't know how many strikes within a half mile. 
but we rode out that storm down in that bottom with our rain jacket, soaked ourselves. Yep. Just so you remember, so yeah, you know. Everything was soaked. Sleep yeah, so everything we, was soaked. I usually run, like, no rain pants, like, quick-drying pants, and then yeah. I run a rain jacket. Well, everything from that rain jacket just poured onto my pants, and, you know, you're just riding out this epic rainstorm, and, and, you know, I don't know how many hours it rained, three, four hours, or whatever it was, but, so we climbed back into our bags, half-wet, shivering through the night, and we're running our... 30 degree bags because it's early season and we're just trying to survive and we're 30 degree bags and it got cold that night. I think it froze. It did. Yeah. It froze froze that night. And so got super cold and we finally ended up making it back to our tent, but we woke up in the morning and there was no thoughts of hunting mule deer. It was like, man, this is survival. I think we got to get a fire going, you know, know, and then we got a fire going and you start feeling better. And then I think you start throwing up your binos and pretty soon we're spotting bucks, you know, and I think we're not even in the unit we can hunt, but we started seeing bucks and started going, man, okay, well, we got to get over the ridge where we can hunt. But yeah, that year we ended up camping in the bottom, but it, you know, it almost worked out better. You can, you can see more of that feature from the bottom down there. Um, but yeah, no, those those lightning storms, they'll uh, they'll definitely put a scare into you. Yeah, and then moving to the bottom. So yeah, we got that figured out. Where we we beat the lightning storms, we beat the rain. All right, we're sitting good. So I get a buck down. We're happy. We're we're eating we're eating steaks. Oh gosh, we're excited. All right, we got to hang this thing up. So we hang it up. We do everything right. We put it in the bags. We get the ropes. We, we're I don't know a few hundred yards away from camp. We hang this thing up and. Now, all of a sudden, we have a bear problem. <laughs> yes, for sure. Yep. So we had to deal with the bears the rest of the hunt while we were chasing your buck. So, yeah, it was kind of – that was an experience. Colorado is a, is, is a huge, huge place, huge mountains, steep, vertical, shale, cliffs. I mean, just it's just brutal. It's beautiful, brutal country. But I, I, if I had to pick, I think it was probably my favorite hunt. I, I just – every time we – get enough points built up and we get to go back to colorado it's just it's just amazing it is the place isn't it oh my gosh the mountains are just huge they just go forever and the quality of bucks i mean you gotta remember i I was pretty pretty new to this uh mule deer game when i first went to colorado that first year in colorado i killed the biggest buck of my life and it was also the first velvet buck i killed and to this day it's still the biggest buck i've ever killed in my life and it is it's just tremendous tremendous deer it's amazing but i remember I don't know if we, we didn't scout it, but I remember going down and hunting Goliath. Do you remember chasing yes. Goliath around? Mm-hmm. And that thing was just a different, different creature compared to all the other bucks. I mean, I mean, my buck's no slouch by any, anybody would have shot him. I mean, we'd be so happy with my buck. Um, but the one that we were actually chasing around, we named him Goliath. And he, I mean, his main beams were crab claw. They were split main beams on the end. I mean, it just went for days, mass for days. I don't remember how many points he actually Look, had. The split main beams were an extra tie, and those yeah. weren't his fronts. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, his extra, fronts yeah. were, like, 10 or 12 inches, yep. and then he had split main beams that yeah. were the crab claws. But, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's the thing with hunting some of this gnarly remote country is getting way back in there. Uh, I mean, when I first started hunting these different states and these different places, I had these goals of hunting 170-inch deer, and and those deer are tough to kill, and those deer are a prize in themselves, and I I prize everyone I've shot, but through the years, I mean, we've found some absolute giants. I mean, you see the deer that, I mean, I know I've hunted the world record typical. Heck, I think I've missed the world record typical in in Colorado, you know, I... um, and we've hunted these bucks that are these next level, but they, they're just so impressive when they get like our, 
our magical mark. I mean, 190 inch deer is a huge deer, and I think yours was mid 190s or yeah, somewhere yeah, right in there. Yeah. But Goliath was one of those 215, cool. 220 yeah. extras, and just so much mass and over 30 well wide. over 30 yeah, wide. Just and like, yeah, just, what is that? Yeah, so I mean, hunting those those yeah. deer, they're really tough to kill, and and you know we've killed a couple of them, but they are few and far between. Um, but but just to have the chance to hunt that caliber deer, and I think throughout the years, almost. You know, and not I wouldn't say every spot we hunt, but you know, a lot of we our, get into a it. lot we of our backcountry spots, it. we've seen bucks of that that giant caliber that that yep. uh, just makes your heart race. But just to have the opportunity at those bucks is is a treat, and it's that's worth all the effort, all yep. the preparing, all the shooting, all the running, all the tough work to get there. It's it's worth all of it. You know, when you see a buck like that through your binos or through your scope. Goliath was the funnest buck to watch, not because of his size. I mean, forget about his horns and forget about how big it was. He was the, the, the funnest buck I've ever watched. The reason why he was old, he was mature, he was huge body, just he walked different, his shoulders were different, and he was, he was an asshole. He was a dick. But he would make sure he would stand there in the shade and he would wait for all the other bucks to dig their beds and, and, and everything got laid down and comfy and he'd just be standing there, sun creeping up on his back, ready to bed down. And he would walk from one buck to the other until he found his favorite bed and he would actually kick one of the other bucks out of his bed and be like, Oh, thanks for, thanks for making my bed for me. And he would lay down. We watched him do that every single day we saw him. Mm -hmm. He waited, he was so patient and he was just so smart. He was so much smarter than all those other bucks. And it was just, it was such a treat watching that thing. Oh, yeah. Gosh, he just acted so much different than all the other ones. I mean, he, he just had nothing but respect. I mean, he was, he was a bully, but he was, he was cool. <laughs> yeah, no, those, those alpha males yeah. are just the, yeah. like the top dog and, you know, not just a six, seven year old, but just in his absolute prime, yeah. like eight or nine, like, I don't even know what absolute prime is anymore, but just super heavy, giant buck. Body was so big, just twice the size of the other deer. Um, but you're right. You could watch him bully around those yeah. other bucks. And if I remember right, we got to hunt that buck for a day or two. And then he actually crossed out of our unit. Yep. And then he bed in the perfect spot in yeah. the unit that we, and we couldn't had to sit hunt. there and watch. Yeah, him. and oh, all, all we could do yeah. is sit and watch and take pictures of him. He was in the wrong unit. Um, but yeah, what a giant buck. But but over the years, I mean, we've chased a lot of big bucks that are. I mean, Goliath was cool, but then we went in there. I mean, Colorado, I remember hunting a couple 200-inchers, that one with the back forks and the one with yeah. the front forks. And I Actually, would, that big buck that you were hunting was like, I swear, he was like the older twin brother to the one I killed. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He looked yep. identical, identical yep. frame, just way taller, way wider, way more mature. I mean, he was two, three years older. You could tell much more. I mean, the buck I killed is a 190-inch deer. So, I mean, obviously he's old and he's mature, but this other one that we saw, I mean, he was just, he was that much bigger. He was, he was 20, 40 inches bigger than the one I killed. And he was just, just tremendous, mm -hmm. huge. Everything about him was just a huge, huge deer. Yeah. Gosh, that was, that was a cool one. I got a killer stock on that one. The yeah, last off day. the cliff. Yeah. Came, came down in on him from, yeah. from above in the cliff and you got some good pictures of yep. me on the stock. You were watching with the scope. You already had your buck down and I yep. was hunting that buck. And uh, I think we saw like three or four of them bed down that day. And I got, there was that little patch of timber, yeah. like two or three yeah. trees that I got to. And that was in range of him yeah. when he was bedded there. And I could remember seeing his horns. Yeah. And I, 
had that buck beat. I truly remember that. I remember he got up and he fed and then he started feeding towards me yep. on the open meadow and he's 70 and he's 60 and he, you know, he's just creeping in and feeding in no idea I'm anywhere in the country. Yep. I get back to full draw and he doesn't even know I'm there. I got a great range. This is a dead buck, big, huge fronts on him. And, yep. and, uh, that thing jumped my string as I shot. You know, and then the arrow whizzed through his horns or somewhere up and yeah, through there. Yeah, it was, um, he jumped my string and he, he turned and rolled. It wasn't yep. like, it wasn't like a whitetail that jumps your string at 20 yards where you shoot over him. Yep. You know, a mule deer at, at 50, 60 yards or whatever, he turns and wheels like that arrow goes by him by the time, yep. you know, he's, he's headed downhill. But yeah, I remember, I remember missing that buck just when you think you have it all right and you've got everything figured out last day of the hunt or getting close to it and then. And then airball that buck. <laughs> he had to come back yeah. to you and tell you, yeah, I yeah. airballed him. I don't know what happened. He jumped my string. Yeah. You know, and jump your string is the number one uh, <laughs> excuse you use yeah. when you miss something. I know, but and, actually, I, and I don't. I'm really honest when I, I miss something. That actually and I, happened. I watched it. I mean, I, I saw the whole thing go down. Yeah. And it, it did. I mean. I was, swear it jumped my string, but you never know. Yeah. Like, that's all just in my mind. I don't have yeah. video of it or anything. But, yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I was sure he jumped my string when he came. But that is the number one excuse when you miss yeah. and you don't want to admit it but i think it's good to admit your mistakes when yeah. something goes wrong i mean we always come back and talk about it and and you know whether it was us making a stupid mistake or whatever it is like i think if you can admit that mistake and then try to learn from it you become a better hunter in the end yep i mean everything's moved on i mean i don't know if that was the same year or whatever year it was i know it was colorado Remember all the rock slides and the rocks rolling and the loud banging and the, and I think that was part of it. I think you went on one stock. I think it was on that great big same buck. I think you had a stock a day or two before that, and the whole thing blew up because a great big boulder fell off the mountain and it spooked all those bucks, and that's when they went way down. Actually, I think that was the day before I killed my buck. That's why I think I killed my buck is because he bedded off the cliff a little bit lower. And then that fog and rainstorm came in, and I was able to stay in the fog and get down. And instead of hunting him from the top, I actually came came from the bottom, and I hunted that buck below him up because of how the weather came in. It was just complete opposite how we usually hunt him, and I took advantage of that yeah, so, storm. So the cloud cover came in, and that yeah. storm came in and changed the thermals where they were yep. coming downhill, and you were already mid-stock, yep. or you were already in, in tight to him, and you actually changed your approach and came from the bottom end yep. to come up at him. Yep, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I put on, yeah, put on a few miles that day trying to figure out, make a play on that thing. I got close. I was, I was within bow range when I was on him from above and that wind started changing. I backed out as fast as I could and, and he, and, and he stayed content. He was happy where he was, but then that, that fog rolled in and it, and it worked out to my favor, or, you know, and got a, got a great play on him. Uh, great shot. And the cool thing about that, you know, at those high high country mule deer, when you when you shoot one up on those high high thirteen thousand peak, you, you great big perfect velvet buck. I mean, in the back of your head, you're always like, man, it would be so cool if he would just lay down so he doesn't just ruin all the velvet off his horns. And, and this buck did. I, I made a great shot, quartering away, great perfect shot. I mean, I, he knew his dad. I knew his dad. And he, he ended up turning around and he walked down, and there's this little tiny like ten by ten patch of grass, and he walked right down there and he laid down. And then all of a sudden he just laid his let perfect velvet down in the grass and just laid there and he was done. I mean, that that buck I mounted, I mean, he's, the original velvet's on him and just completely perfect. I don't think there's a scratch on that deer. That fake velvet on anything that looks like the real stuff. Yeah, I just, they can't match it. They look skinnier. They try to round yeah. the tips, but 
for me, the yeah. the velvet. If I can you see can, a seam in them. I can see a seam in the fake velvet. Yeah, you've got ball. a fake velvet one too, don't you? And that, yeah, the buckskin or yeah. one yeah. of those bucks. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know it. The fake velvet just doesn't do him no, justice, it does it? I mean, just... I, I like the bucks, and I like them in all, you know, and I love hardhorn bucks, but there's something special about yeah. those velvet. And I, I think part of it is that gnarly country we hunt them, and we hunt them in the most, the, the most gnarly, remote backcountry. You know, it, it's like hunting sheep or goats in the country you're hunting them in. I mean, it, it really is pristine, and, and the majority of our hunts, we're able to get away from everybody. Yeah. We find spots all on our own, yeah. and... And but that natural velvet, there's just there's something special about that. And I know the mounts that I have natural velvet, I just cherish, you know. And oh, the, yeah. the ones that the fake velvet, I don't know that that's quite worth getting put on for me anymore. Like it just yep. doesn't do them quite the justice that the that the real. I don't stuff think they is. have it quite figured out yet. I think one day they maybe they'll be able to match it. But and actually, if I take it next next velvet buck I take. And he, he takes a crash and half of his velvet's missing and half of it's on. That's how I'm going to mount him. It's how yep. I actually saw him, how I saw him in the field. And he took a roll, so be it. Whether yep. half his velvet's hanging off, I mean, that's I'm going to dry freeze it or whatever they do. Actually, I shot a buck, a Montana buck, uh, just a few years ago. Great buck. I think he, I think he went like mid-160s. Um, I, I think he was. I think he was 166. And he was a... Um, it's not your big Montana one. No, different no, no. one you're talking this about? Is a, this is a totally different one. This was a, a river buck, a muley river buck, and I actually shot him on an island on a river. Oh, gotcha. property. I okay. actually got my bow above my head, and I actually creeped out to the river, and I just kind of sat down with the bow above my head, and I just kind of floated down on my butt into the river down to this island. And he, every morning I would watch him. I would watch him. Um, he would he would be feeding, and I would be like, man, where's he going? Where's he actually bedding at? Because there's no bushes. There's no trees. Where is he hiding at? And so I mean, it was actually getting off of work, and I got up on this hill with my spot and scope, and I just sat there. I'm like, I'm just going to – it wasn't hunting season yet. It was getting close. I was like, I'm going to watch these bucks. I'm going to see where they're going to go. So I just sat there. I mean, nobody around, just a few, few uh, bucks around, so I just sat there swimming. I mean, he swam out to the island, and he bedded in the thickest willows I've ever seen. And I could never find him. I never. The only time I found him was when they were out feeding, right before, either right after dark or right before dark, you know, driving down a road with the, with the lights on. They might be across the road or they, you know, might be out in the field. I could see eyes. And I'm like, where are these things coming from? So I, I had enough time and I just sat there and watched. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And so I got the regs and checked. Yeah, islands are, are public, you know, ready to go. So I grabbed the bow and, and, uh, and, you know, I pulled the pants up and I was like, you know what, I'm going to pull the shoes off. I'm going to get wet no matter what. Kept the, kept my uh, range finder and my bow above my head and, and just creeped in and, and, and floated down to him, got on the island. And I mean, I was, you know, inside 40 yards on this buck and it was, I don't, it was like middle of September and not really, or early September, right when the hunting season started. I think it was like on day four or five of season and he had full velvet, complete full velvet on him. And I was just, I was kind of shocked. I was actually hunting a bigger buck. It was a non-typical, like, nine by six that I was actually trying to hunt. But when I got up next to each other, the the one I was hunting was super, super young. He was super pencil horn, you know, just, mm -hmm. he was an awesome buck. I mean, like, kickers and stickers. It was a great buck. He got you super excited. But uh, he was just super young. And the one I ended up killing, you could tell, was just a nice, mature buck. And he was still in prime, full velvet. And it's the only buck I have um, mounted. It's a European mount with his original velvet. Oh, wow. And what's cool about it is, is, is I found a guy to do it. He wanted to try it. He wanted to try it. He wanted me, let me try this. He pickled 
my horns. Oh, wow. They're actually pickled. Okay. And it's actually, and you can smell it. It smells way different, and it turned out awesome. So, and it's a great buck, like I said. One of the, what a really cool trophy I got hanging up in the house. And, you know, for a Montana velvet buck, it's pretty rare. Yeah, boy, it sure is. And so I was pretty excited about that one. Yeah, I got my one Montana velvet buck, but he kind of tore up during the yeah, fall. Yeah. You remember that one? We had to actually cut him out of the trees, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I remember we could reach up. He he took such a fall, like end over end down this mountain, that he ended up landing in the top of trees. And we could we could grab his hooves, and we were trying to yank down on him, and we ended up having to start cutting a few branches and stuff to try to get this. I mean, this. I mean, I don't even know how big that buck was. Huge buck. That was a great Montana buck. Mm-hmm. Close Full to buck. 180 or maybe above 180. Yeah, it was like 185. One. I mean, it was a great, great Montana buck. And we ended up, I mean, I'm glad I was there because that was a that was a two-guy ordeal two trying guy. to get him out of the freaking tree. <laughs> I never would have got a trophy picture with him. If yeah, how would you? Yeah, did you start cutting parts was, off him? Yeah, he was so buried into those oh, trees. Man. And it was, it was thick in there. And I remember it was the edge of a cliff. But yeah, no, we had the... We had to cut them out and drag them out. But no, I never would have got a trophy photo with that thing if we weren't there. Heck, I don't even know if I could get them butchered. For the, how yeah. do you butcher a deer in the top of a tree? Boy, what a wicked trip that was. We uh, It got so bad that we were down on mosquito. We were out of mosquito spray, and we had one mosquito wipe left. And we were taking turns trying to, like, water this little mosquito pad down to keep it moist so we could keep using it. We were Dude, sharing this we, little, we, and that was just unbelievable trip. We never had any mosquito spray. That no. one little oh, thing I, was all I had. Like it was in my emergency <laughs> kit, and I had it was like one wet wet nap or wet yeah, paper just, towel that yeah. was wrapped in uh, foil or whatever, yep. and it was like a pre-opened mosquito wrap. But that's all we had for yep. mosquitoes, and we hadn't really battled mosquitoes too bad. Some scouting trips earlier or whatever, yep. but um, that that year they were just evil in Montana. I had mosquito bites on top of mosquito bites. I mean, my <laughs> my arms and shoulders and face swelled up so bad. I mean, it was it was epic. I was like, I, I don't even know how many mosquito bites I had, but it was it was in the thousands upon thousands. I mean, it was just you could look down and you would you would go to wipe your wipe your arms. So like, man, I just feel kind of weird. Like something's it didn't even feel like a bite. It was almost kind of like a numbing feeling after a while. And I just remember running my hand down my arm and looking at my hand, and it was just totally of dead mosquitoes just you just rub your arm and it was just like <laughs> what is going on here well i just remember the insanity of just the oh god i just just every time you start <laughs> just everywhere they're just yeah. always biting you always in on your you. mouth spitting yeah. them out yeah. Yeah. Oh, they was, were so thick that was the same trip i think those uh i call them mountain rats i really don't know what those little things are but i think they ate your whole entire camp because you went in a day earlier and i did i met you up on top of the mountain the next day yep and by the time I met up with you, I'm like, dude, what is going on? You had your, you had your, your, not your actual bowstring, but your D loop on your, on your bow was gone or was retied to put a new one on. And then luckily, I don't know how you accomplished this, but the actual pull string on your uh, drop away rest was eight and a half. Yep. And, um, all the tie down points, anchor points on your tent were gone. They ate everything off his tent. I mean, middle of the night, this guy's punching rats, mountain rats or whatever you want to call them off his tent in the middle of the night. They would crawl on top of the tent and like slide down the side. It was just, it was a weird experience. Yeah. They were rock marmots, but yeah, yeah I must've camped right in their home. And I'd camped in that spot before. I think Phil got something to eat yeah, off his yeah. pack or something, but yeah, they ate 
my my tent tie downs, like you say, my string loop, my rest cord, and I yep. used like a steelhead knot, and yeah. some, yep. I had some cordage that I I patched everything together, <laughs> practiced with one arrow, and got it shooting. And I think my string loop was all eaten up. But I think I super glued it up, and yep. I was like, man, it'll make it another shot. It'll make <laughs> yeah, it one, one shot more, for yeah. a muley. Because, you know, you go to retying things, and you can change your zero. Yep. Yep. And then also, like, I, I don't have any extra arrows. I got five arrows, yep. and I got to waste one of them to make sure my bow still shoots or it's still on. But, yep. um, yeah, the rock marmots attached me. And like you say, I was – they, in the middle of the night, I like I finally fell asleep. I got tired of yelling at them and chasing them. But then I'd hear them chewing on my tent. I'd have to kick the end of my tent <laughs> to spook them off. But yeah. Um, yeah, that place is brutal, brutal, steep, and and uh, tough to I'll tough to kill deer. But I, I want to go back this year. Yeah, I do too. I I, I mean I we think, saw some giant deer in there. I think uh, I think we go back. Like it opens for that early yep. early rifle September fifteenth, I think, or yep. something. So we want to get in there before then. But yep. you know, depending on what other state we hunt, I want to go back in there and see if we can't kill them. I you know the spots we know and the the spots we've hunted, but also been looking at different spots yep. in there too. And um, man, I think we can kill some good ones in there. There's some good bucks in there. Yeah, some brutal country, a lot of miles, but it just, I don't know, it just seems like we don't really have any give up in us. I think we just go and go, and, and you know, we're, it's kind of weird. I know, I got a lot of buddies that go out there, oh, we didn't see anything, didn't see anything, you know, I saw 150. For some reason, we, we, we're always able to turn up some good bucks, and I think that's just, um, it, it's staying out in the field. It's like, man, what are we doing here? You know, we could be home with our families, we could be home with our kids, we could, we could shit, we could be having a beer and a burger right now, what are we doing? It's like, man, come on. We look at this all year long. It's motivating each other. It's like, this is what we dream about all the time. Let's just stay another day. Let's just push. Let's just push the next ridge. I know it's, I know it's another five miles. I know it's another 1500 feet in elevation. I know it is, but let's just, let's just pack light. I mean, if we want to leave part of the camp here or whatever, let's just, let's push to that spot. Let's glass it. Let's just see what lives. And when we turn them up, yeah, you know, and we find a new spot, like, Hey, all right, we, we found our, we found our bucks. I know that was a long push. Is there a different route we can get in on the next time when we actually come and hunt it, you know, or, I mean, is there a different way in here or, or that's just the way it is. Keep your head down. Let's just, we know it's going to be grueling. So go light on your water weight. Let's just gruel to the top and then, then we'll regroup at the top and re, you know, stash our water, get camp set up. And yeah, we might be, I mean, I don't know, Colorado, I don't know how many miles back we are, but we're, we're a full day hike back. I mean, we're, hours upon hours of hiking to get to our spot i mean we're hiking through a unit that we have we can't hunt to get to our unit i mean you, you yeah you want to look around oh there's a buck there's a buck it's like yeah must be nice we don't have that tag all right all right let's go let's go let's keep going keep hounding on and, and uh, just keep pushing you know you just never give up you always just push you never ever regret going back to the truck even if you eat your tag you never regret hey i got seven days to make this happen you're back at the truck on the very last hour of your seven day. You, you don't really have any regret. Mm -hmm. I, I've done it. I, you've done it at an earlier age in your earlier hunting career. So have I. I've done it many times. It, I, yeah, I have. I have five, six days to hunt. I'm back at the truck on day three because I'm. I'm either frustrated. I'm burnt out. Um, I'm wet. I'm cold. I'm low on water. I mean, whatever it is you know, or panicked or, you know how the wilderness is, Montana, we deal with grizzly bears nonstop. So it's like you're hunting up in the mountains by yourself. You get a little spooked. It's pretty easy for you to turn, to turn tail or tuck tail and get out of there and be like, no, nah, I'm going to regroup and, and try it next weekend. You know, I, I think, I think really, really stick to it. Really push a little bit, a little bit harder. Just, you never regret putting in the full effort, whether it works out for you or not, you never regret hunting those full seven days 
getting back to the truck. Yeah, I still got my tag. It doesn't matter. I stayed the entire time. I went for it nonstop. I got up every single morning. I busted my ass. I did as much as I could. You know, I went to bed late. I, I, I took care of myself. I ate right. I, you know, shit, you probably got in a lot better shape by doing this. I always lose weight when I'm out, and I roll in really good shape all year mm -hmm. round. Um, you never regret staying every single day on the field. And I, I know a lot of guys, and I used to do it myself. I, I would come up with excuse after excuse, like, man, you know, I get home, the wife or the girlfriend's like, man, I wasn't expecting you for two more days. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah. You know, it's like, you get home, you're like, dang it, what, what am I doing here? You, you get a burger in you, and then all of a sudden your regrets, like, you start feeling human again. You, all right, when you're cold, build a fire. When you're hungry, get something to eat. When you're thirsty, go find water. I mean, just make it work while you're in there. Take your shoes off, take your socks off, dry them out. Like I said, building a fire brings, I mean, it makes you feel civilized again. It just it just brings everything home. It makes you feel like you're home. You get everything dried out. You get warm. You're like, oh, get some food in you. You just feel human again. I mean, you're ready to go. But it's it's so easy to tuck tail and turn back oh, to the truck. It, it I mean, so is. And it's something we never oh, do now. No, we just, no. It's we, like, uh, that's the last thing on our minds. Like, no, we're, we're sticking this out. Well, and I think we, we laugh about our situation a lot. Like, even when we're getting struck by lightning, like, that's the joke around here. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's it's yeah. hilarious to go, yeah, well, at least we don't get barbecued on the ridge or whatever yeah. the joke is at that yeah. point. But, yeah, if you can kind of joke about it. But, yeah, just... You, you never regret like if you give it all you have on a hunt like you say like you can you can come back with your head felt high and you gave yep. it all it takes but even like you say when we team up there isn't very many times we don't get into them. like no. i it's almost every time we just find them tough yep. units tough hunting yep. not many animals we just keep going and keep looking and eventually we turn something up and yep. get into them it seems like but um yeah that that coming home early like you say you can feel you feel like it's over. You're not going to fill your tag or you feel down and you come out. But like you say, the minute you start feeling human again and get that burger in you, there, there's nothing but regret and you regret it for the next few days. So yeah, no, you plan for those days and you stay out those days. Yep. And that's part of the challenge is surviving out there. I like what you say, like building that, that fire just makes you feel human. And all of a sudden you can feel your mood starts to change around yeah. and you know, you're going to have ups and downs. You yeah. can't control your mood all the time and you just got to ride those downs out like, and make sure you weather the storm to where you keep back in there and hunting and having a partner really helps. We motivate yeah. each other. Um, We've gotten just some spats too. I mean, up oh, yeah. we've been like, we, we got in each other's faces and then, I mean, it's <laughs> grueling. I mean, you're, you're beating yourself up. You're starving yourself. You're, you're, on the verge of just exhaustion, I mean, your mood is going to go way up and way down. Archery is all about just, I mean, your moods are, it's just amazing. It's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. I mean, I think everybody out there that actually truly archery hunts completely agrees with what I just said. Oh, yeah. I mean, sure. it's, it is such the truth. It can be just, I mean, you're on cloud nine, or it's just like, what, I mean, you just ruined everything. After just, a yeah. miss or yeah. a missed oh, yeah. You just think you're just, you're just a pile lows. of nothing. Yep. No, you you just sure. want to throw your bow and give up, and you're like, "What? This isn't for me," you know. But it's like, "Come on, man! You're you're out there. You're doing what you want to do. If it doesn't work out, so what? You'll find another one. I mean, if you need a tag here or there, I mean, come on. I mean, there's, there's it's going to happen. Yeah, it's. It, I don't care how good you are. I mean, gosh. I mean, we're. I think we're both pretty solid hunters. We fill lots of tags. We both have a house full of mounds. I mean, I. I still. I'll eat a tag probably every year. I always eat either 
I mean, it might be in my antelope tag, it might be in my bear tag. I mean, I eat tags just as much as the next guy, but I don't. I don't give up. I never give up. Yeah, I'm always so excited to put in for it again, and here we go again. Here we here we go. You know. Yep. No, it's it's part of it yeah. for sure. Yeah. No, keeping each other motivated. And then, um, how important do you think um, coffee is to our oh, country? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm a coffee drinker, and uh, you go for having uh, having uh, you know two three cups of coffee every morning to kind of. See, I, I I'm spoiled. I run the I run the coffee beans. So when I am out of coffee, I can pop a cup of coffee beans in my mouth and and run that. But holy cow, just like when Brian finally is like, hey, let's just take a little break and have a cup of coffee anymore. When he says that, I mean, I'll plop down right then and there. I mean, it's just having that cup of coffee and you just warms your soul. I mean, you're just like, oh, I mean, it just it makes awesome. you feel human. Yeah, and you can incredible. feel your your yep. mood turn around. And yep. like you say, after a tough morning hunt or being yep. down, like. Hey man, let's warm up. How many more coffees you got left? Yeah, yeah. We're always like we're always counting them down. I don't know why we uh, cut ourselves so thin, but I think whatever coffee we have, we end up drinking. But it's always gone. So good in the backcountry. I mean, yeah. That's take the time, eat right. I mean, plan a little bit more ahead. I mean, what do you really like to eat at home? I mean, try to figure out a way to pack some of that. I mean, Brian's well known for always bringing his cinnamon rolls for breakfast <laughs> i mean he takes a uh where do we get them at uh wheat, wheat montana wheat montana yeah. i mean they're the size of a dinner plate they're 12 inch freaking cinnamon rolls and he cuts them in quarters or whatever bags them up nice and we get up to the mountains and i got this this nasty ass granola bar i'm like oh yeah granola bar i got some berries in mine look at this and he pulls out this just white frosting just delicious cinnamon roll and i'm just like oh oh i see what what's going on here you know and so it's like hey you want to you want to share some of that you know so i mean treat yourself right i mean eat, get put some calories in you and and just yeah the first couple of days you you want to put as much calories in as you can so if you pack in just an extra pound of of uh Sugar cinnamon rolls, it's worth it. Just it sure it. is. Well, and it's good to eat whole foods. and But oh, up yeah. there, you're burning so many calories. Like, yeah. to have some extra carbs and some extra sugar to kind of give you oh, effort. Man. And like you say, up there, you're... you're um, and when you're hunting at high elevation, like you lose your appetite up there. Yeah, you do. So, you Things know, and, and the one there. thing that you need to do is you need to eat, but you're never hungry and you don't even feel like you can yep. eat anything. Nothing in your food bag looks good. No. And you eat a couple mountain houses and you're like, no, I'm good. I don't think no. I'm going to eat tonight, which is the worst thing for you. you yep. got to keep that fuel coming in. You have to force yourself yeah. just, to, just to power through it and just eat that, whether you want to or not. You just you got to force it in you, and, and it's it, it's hard. I struggle every year. Before we go on a trip, I'm like, Brian, man, what do you got packed this time? Because I just know, I mean, it sounds good now, but I just know it's not going to be good on the mountain. What are you running? And, and we'll talk back and forth on what we're bringing, and I'm going to bring this, and, and, and we'll take turns. Like, Brian will we'll pr- provide a dinner for us one night, and, and I'll get breakfast the next morning or, or dinner or whatever, you know, because, I mean, you can't pack everything. So maybe have one guy bring uh, bring. Uh, Brian's always really good at bringing the spices. He's got some sort of little olive oil, this little spice mix, you know. And I'm always excited whether he kills or I kill. It's like bring out the spice, Brian. We're gonna we're gonna have steaks tonight, you know. So I mean, you don't have to pack everything. Maybe your buddy's got this, you got that, you know. You can kind of mix food together and make it make a good make a good deal out of it, dinner out of it, you know. Yeah, but you want food that tastes good. You yep. got to keep that fuel coming in. I mean, you're mountaineering, but you're mountaineering. You don't got to just get to the top and the bottom. You got to get to the top. Glass every morning. You got to find the buck you want. Live and survive up there. Make stocks on them just day in, day out, miles and miles and elevation and back and forth, you know, for days on end to try to kill a buck. And then when you finally do, you got to pack the thing out of there. Like you're burning so many calories. 
but but you don't feel like eating. And and the, if you if you're not eating and not feeling your body, you're just going to deteriorate yeah. that much faster. Whether you know it or not, one yeah. morning you're going to wake up and you're be like, "What is wrong with me?" Yeah. You know, just zapped. You yeah. know, that elevation takes it and out. And then of you. you then you start making the excuses like, "Nah, he's not in a good spot, Brian." Yeah, I don't know. I might wait for him to get a little bit closer to see mm-hmm. what he does. On day one, it's like you know what? I would have already been on top of him. Mm-hmm. I already I might have already filled my tag if I was if I was in full shape and had enough energy. I would have t- taken off and already been there. So. I mean, it's pretty easy to uh, to, to fall apart up in the, up in the high, high woods or in the tall mountains. I mean, 13,000 feet. I don't care if you're a hunter or a rock climber or a mountaineer. I mean, anybody that's actually true 13,000 feet elevation, it's, it's, uh, it's an experience. And I was going to ask you, Brian, a lot of people don't know. You're up in the high mountains, so you, you bring your warm clothes because you know it's going to be cooler up there. But there's one thing that a lot of people don't know, and it was, it was me very much included, is... What does the sun feel like at 13,000 feet? <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Whether it's, it's 40 degrees yeah, or not. Yeah, it's so intense. And even though yep. you're hunting the fall, guys don't think about it, but yep. you're above tree line. There's no shade. You're yep. glassing where you're out in the middle and exposed to everything. Yep. And like uh, you deal with sunburn a couple times. And then, like, that's the one thing that I want these. You know, there there isn't a lot out there as far as sun shirts. Like I find most yeah. of mine fishing. I mean, they. I think Sitka makes one now, which is really killer. It's yeah. a lightweight hoodie that does good. But to have that hoodie on you, and then you've got to cover the back of your hands. Yeah. But at thirteen thousand feet, that sun is so intense. You'll yep. fry yourself up there. So you've got to have a hat with a bill on it. Yep. Got to have a hood to cover your ears, or like what do they call those baklavas or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, the neck gaiter things yep. that you can kind of pull over your ears yeah, you gotta, and over you your face. I mean, basically, but, all of your skin needs to be covered. Whether yeah. you're sweating or not, you got to stay covered for bugs definitely for sun because i've burnt my hands so bad up there i mean i've taken my shoes off and i've i remember i remember hunting um i remember hunting utah with you and i think that mountain range is right around 10 10 5 maybe even 11 and i remember washing my feet and, and you know cooling my feet off because they're hot and sweaty and, and leaving them out in the sun a little bit long and i remember burning the top of my toes and they were only out for 15 minutes now i'm walking around with sunburnt toes and everybody knows how much that hurts and it's just like holy cow it's yeah. just wicked everything about it is just extreme yeah so and that's the, i love that part of it I mean, yeah you just, totally you got to be prepared you got to you got to go with the punches i mean you're you're going to I don't want to say you're going to get hurt, but you're going to run into snags pretty much everywhere yeah. you go, whether it's water, whether it's food, whether it's um, something might happen to your equipment. You might have to – I mean, I always bring an extra D-loop. I bring extra serving. I, I mean, I bring my wrenches with me. Mm-hmm. I mean, as much as I can because something's always going to happen. I mean, you could you could take a, a gnarly fall on some shale and knock your sight off. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could you, – I don't want to say break it, but you can knock it so far off that you don't know where you're at. You know, another thing is bring, it, bring a field point with you or bring a, a judo or a blunt with you. Find one of those rotten stumps and once a day, you know, after putting on that many miles and cliffs and we've been in such deep cliffs where we've actually had to climb down and then lower our packs down with a rope to the next guy, lower our bows down to the next guy and the other guy free, free hand climb down these steep, these steep gnarly cliffs. I mean, it's extreme. So I, I mean, shoot your bow every day. If you can find a stump, Brian's really good at it. pile of dirt or stump or cow pie. I don't care. I mean, shoot your bow once a day and just make sure, oh, yeah, my equipment's still on. You know, there yeah, we go. There we trust go. in it. Yeah, have confidence in it because you never know what actually might happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can glue all your stuff down all you want at home, but it's different when you put that many miles on. Mm-hmm. I mean, your bow's getting wet, lightning storms. You're you're throwing it in the tent to keep it, keep try to keep it dry or whatever you're trying to do. I mean, that thing's going to take a beating. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. The steep stuff, um, like uh, Dan's really a good partner, Um 
But he's also really bad in steep stuff because he doesn't get scared. Like you're a rock climber, you <laughs> yeah. climb faces and ropes and done the whole deal. And, and me too, I you know I do all the high stuff on my job site, all the high trust work, all yep. the climbing, all the you know I rely on my buddy. And I I've done a little rock climbing here and there, but yep. um, we go for it, man. We've sure got ourselves in some steep situations, oh. but you know confidence in our skills, three points yep. of contact, but uh, gotta really be careful up there, boy. You sure don't want to slide off that mountain. But yeah, I remember lowering our packs. I I remember just trying to hide from boxing going across yep. hillsides that you really shouldn't be going across. Yep. And I, I remember getting on steep stuff. Uh, we were trailing one of the bucks you shot down. And remember he got in that avalanche chute where I can't believe a deer could keep upright in that. Yeah. Like he walked across that chute and we thought we could walk across it. And like I say, Dan's not scared of any rock face. And <laughs> we started scooting across and it got to be like a 70 degree, yeah. like slide right in there. It got spooky. I think yeah. I went up top. I didn't cross where you did. Yeah. I, I can't remember if you had to back out of there or you made it across, but it was pretty sketch. Yeah, it was, it was gnarly. It took everything I had to, to make it across that. I, and I don't remember if I made it across or what I ended up doing, but yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty severe. It was a scary mm -hmm. situation, but another good thing about hunting with partner, you do, you do get hurt or something happens. You got a guy to rely on. I mean, we, we both used to run those spots and I think we still do. When we go out of state, we run those spots. And a lot of times you don't have cell phone. You don't want to turn your cell phone and waste the battery. And, and so those spots to send out text messages or help messages, you know, obviously highly recommend. Um, but hunt with a partner, you can rely on him. Like we split up, we hunt like, Hey, I'm going to be back by, you know, who knows if I got a buck down, I might, might be back until midnight. And Brian knows if I'm not back by midnight, he's like, no, oh, no big deal. He's fine. He's, he'll be all right. All right. It starts creeping around in morning time. He's still not back. Then obviously he knows something's going to be on and he's going to come and, and come look for me. That's a great thing about hunting out of state. I mean, hunting out of state, you, you can do it by yourself. We've both done out of state hunts solo mm -hmm. before. Um, and they've, they've worked out, but it's, I don't quite enjoy it as much. And it's, and you do need to be a little bit more cautious. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, you're 15 miles away from your truck. You're by yourself and yep. you're up at 10, 12,000 feet. You, you need to be a little bit more cautious. You yep. know? Well, we were, when we first started hunting, we were both in our young 20s. Oh, we were yeah. just going for it. <laughs> Running, you know? that's, yeah. that's what we love to do. And, and still we've always gone for, uh, gone for it and we always go for it on yep. hunts and, and, uh, but we make sure we're safe and we don't go above our ability level. You know, there's no way I want to slide off the mountain or you want to slide off the mountain. And, and, uh, so, you know, you just, uh, you got to make smart choices up there. Your, yeah. your safety depends on it. Your family depends on you coming back. And, and, you know, the way I think about it, you always got to come back to hunt another day you know yep. it's like it's like it's never no bucks worth dying for you know even though sometimes i question that yeah no bucks worth dying for and like some of the spots they bet and some of the shoots they want you to come down to make a stock just aren't makeable but you got to assess it in real time when you're up there and don't make any stupid mistakes and and even though we go for it we've never been hurt nope. we've never nope. injured ourselves and i you know i've never injured myself at at my work or my you know so we we really play things safe but but with being safe there's dangers and risks in everything you do even driving down the highway tomorrow morning there's dangers and risks so you know we, we there are dangers and risks to the high country and we've been in about every one we can but you try to play it really safe and smart in every scenario and make the right decision the best thing and my my advice is what i totally agree is is yeah be as safe as you want to be but it comes down to um I mean, I've seen Brian pack out a whole entire buck, his bow, his camp, 140, 150 pound pack. All right, 
most, I, including myself, could get so hurt carrying that out of the country. The reason why we don't get hurt, and, and knock on wood, I, I don't want anybody to get hurt out there, but is because of how good a shape we're actually in. We don't just, all right, it's two weeks, it's two weeks to deadline until we go, we better start getting it ourselves in shape. No, it's a, it's a, it's a 365 day yeah, for deal sure. that we put in, you know, our diet. I mean, we, yeah, we'll drink a beer, same with anybody else, but we run, we work out, we, we focus on what we eat. I mean, we're constantly up. We're very, both our jobs are physical. So we're, it's, we're both in the construction business. Um, we're both, you know, working on, on our feet all day long, moving around, but most people think that's enough. You know, I'm burning calories. I'm taking 14, 16,000 steps a day. That doesn't matter. Are, do you have a pack on? Are you actually carrying 40, 50 pounds on? Are you, are you climbing any elevation? Are you doing anything like that at, at your work? I mean, maybe some guys are, I don't know. Um, but it, it's due to the type of shape you're in. Are your ankles ready for it? Are you, are, you, are your knees going to hold up for it? Are you, you're, everybody's going to take a fall. Brian, you take falls. I take falls. Mm -hmm. Um, are you catching yourself with your arm right? I mean, are you are you laying on your shoulder right? I mean, you got a hundred extra pounds on your back, you and you take a slip. Are you just going to put your wrist down and try to catch yourself? I mean, no. I mean, tuck and roll a little bit and catch yourself as best you can. I mean, use hiking sticks. I mean, it, it really comes down to what kind of shape you're in. I it mean, totally does. I, I preparing three sixty five. You're right. You know, yep. and you you build those muscles up throughout, yep. and and with building those muscles, yep. and you know, and whether it's running or hiking or whatever, they're just living an active yep. lifestyle. But yeah, you, those muscles save you. And when yep. you're packing a big load on the mountain and you trip, you can catch yourself, or yep. or you can fall too. You know how to fall and yep. keep yourself in good shape. But yeah, it all comes down to being prepared. If you want to hunt that backcountry and and, and hunt and push your limits you know you've got to push your limits all year long training to be in shape with it for it yep exactly so yeah. yeah it really comes down to that focus on what you're doing you know shoot your bow as much as you freaking can i mean come on shoot it dude if if you don't like if you can't shoot if you live in town you can't shoot in town i mean go find a piece of public throw a target out of your truck and and shoot it you know 20 40 50 yards whatever you want to do shoot your bow as much as you can the shoots in, in town i mean go do yep. 3d shoots do spot league um i i'm starting to really get into these um these uh 3d shoots you know that we got a big one coming up this year at, at big sky the big uh tac tournament we got to do and i usually do like four or five other tournaments um, in Helena, there's some in Great Falls, there's one up at Haver, I mean, all over the place. And yeah, sometimes they're not all that challenging, but at least you're, at least you're drawing your bow back. You're taking good shots. What, I mean, I don't always show up to try to win the, win the thing. I mean, I'm shooting my bow as a hunting setup, just the exact same way I would be out in the field, minus a broadhead. Mm -hmm. The other than that, it's the exact same way. I'm pulling my 70, 73, 75 pounds back, even at these spot league. I mean, everybody's shooting these tournament bows, pulling 40 pounds back, shooting Lincoln log arrows down, down, you know, down the course at 20 yards or whatever. That's great. That's fine. That's a whole different sport. I, I train myself as if I'm hunting scenario. So everything, when I shoot, it's, I shoot it as my hunting setup, same, same poundage, same arrow, everything. I always am practicing my hunting setup. Yeah, so when sure. I do shoot, it's going to be the exact same way I shoot in the field. Mm -hmm. You know, every single time, it's always going to be that way. Well, and even living in town, even shooting close, it's yeah, still it shooting. Doesn't matter. And it's like archery is this discipline that you've constantly got to keep up on. Like yep. it's not something that you just it's sighted in and and you take it out during season and shoot it. Like it's got to be second nature and shooting under those. Um, super high pressure shots of shooting at a giant mule deer or bull or a critter it, it, at any caliber, you know, is the highest stress situation you can get in. But um, yeah, the, 
to, to practice all the time is the key. It's a yeah. discipline that you really got to keep with. You really got to shoot all the time. And it's that muscle memory, you know? And so even if you are in 10, just shooting up close 10 yards yeah. in your garage, 10 yards in your house, aiming at a dot, executing yeah. your shot and, and go through your shot process inside your own head. And, and for me, you know, less, I mean, I want to shoot good groups and I always want every arrow in the middle, but I really focus on execution. I yep. want to execute a good shot. I don't want to cheat my shot to get a good result. I want to execute a good shot just like I want to execute a good shot on an animal. But, but yeah, and shooting's one of those things where it can, it can be an advantage to you. You know, if, if you're a really good shot and can make those shots, you're going to collect some critters pretty quick. And, and we work really hard at it for that reason. So when we get that opportunity at that giant buck, you can, you can place that perfect arrow in them. Yeah. And like a lot of guys um, don't want to shoot myself included big windy day. It's like, all right, I don't need to shoot this windy day. Um, I actually, I kind of disagree with, with that. I, I think you should go out on a windy day and just see how much it actually does affect your arrow flight, how much it affects how steady you can hold your bow. I mean, I'm not telling you to go out hunting, you know, and take a shot in the high wind. I'm telling you to go out and actually see what it's all about. So when you are in a hunting situation and you you got a big bowl or buck in front of you and you know the wind's bucking at 15, 30 miles an hour, it's like, all right, I mean... Is it really going to be a good shot? I mean, can you actually make that shot? I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm 100% positive I, I can I can make a 60-yard shot on an animal. I, I'm, I know myself. I'm 100% positive when I take that shot. That being said, with perfect condition, no wind, mm -hmm. and, you know, stuff like that. I mean, no wind, no rain, no whatever's going on. The perfect condition. Another thing is, is how are you standing? Am I on my knee? Am I on my butt shooting? Where am I at? So in the wind, when it's when it's bucking 30 miles an hour, do you think I'm going to make that 60-yard shot? Do you think I'm going to take it? No. It's going to be like 30 to 20-yard shot, if that. You know, I mean, it's going to be so much closer. I mean, same when I take a knee. My 60-yard um, accuracy is probably going to be down to 40 or 50 yards, you know? Yeah. So it's just know that. So go out and practice. Don't just stand in your, in your flat grass and shoot. You know, sit down and shoot. Uh, put on your knee and shoot. Make yourself in a weird, awkward to kind of shoot. Like hunting scenario. Always set yourself up to be a hunting scenario. Take some weird shots and don't be scared to actually go out somewhere and range out. I'm not. I'm not saying to go and kill something at a hundred yards. I do not believe in that. That we're archery hunters. We're not shooting a rifle here. But go out and practice and see actually how it affects you. How much more steady you actually need to be to execute a shot like that. Practice at those longer ranges. So when you actually do step up to thirty or forty. You're like, oh, man, look how solid I am. I mean, you're executing the same shot, but your confidence is going to grow like crazy. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, just, I don't know. I, I recommend go out and shoot, whether it's snowing, raining, windy. It doesn't matter. I mean, you don't have to take your 50 shots or your 25 shots. Take one if you want to. Take one or three. I mean, just see where you're at. I mean, 20, 20 let's just say you're taking a 20-yard shot and you got 30-mile-an-hour wind. I I mean, you'll be amazed how far off you're actually going to oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. Thermals will drift your oh, quite yeah. a bit, like a five-mile thermal wind. But, yeah, good to shoot in all conditions. Yep. I think you're you're exactly right. I love to shoot off balance on yep. one foot. Love to shoot off my knees. And you're not as good on your oh, – I got something beeping at me here. Let me just – okay. Wants me to restart. <laughs> it's probably not a good thing. Yeah. But, uh, but you're right. Shoot under all conditions, whether it's wind and whether it's uh, off your knee, off balance, uh, uneven hillsides make yep. a difference. But shooting under those conditions, you learn what type of shooter you are and what type of shots you can take. And so I, I remember uh, the year you killed that great big Montana buck with your bow. And then yeah. so you had this spot late season. You yep. invited me out. 
do you remember how hard the wind was blowing on oh, that buddy man. stock when yeah. I shot that buck? Yeah. So we spotted that nice four point. I think you spotted him and we stocked in and it was blowing oh, as hard as it that. could freaking blow oh, that day. Man. Like I can't even remember it. I think you, I think you went to full draw three or four times and let down and went back to draw again. It's like, Holy cow. All right, take your time. I mean, yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. I did, and I, I never punched the shot. The buck didn't know we were there. Ended up putting a good arrow yeah. in it. He ran yeah. over the hill and died. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I remember that win. But the only reason I can shoot that win is because I live in Anna's. <laughs> <and Florida's every laughs> no but, uh, yeah, no, it's practice under the conditions you're going to see yep. during hunting season for sure. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Well, right on. Sounds like my computer's about ready to die on me, or I don't know, the, the warning went off. But, man, we've been talking for a while. I think this sets the record for the longest podcast. I knew it, <laughs> I knew it would when I get talking with you because we just hunted oh, yeah. so many different places. But uh, you're such a great hunter. I sure enjoy hunting different places. We've got big plans for this year. We've already been talking on where we're going to head and what we're going to do. So we got a busy season in front of us and uh, just got to have you on again. But, uh, man, yep. I sure appreciate you being on. So Dan Haverin. Uh, find you on Facebook. I don't think you got an Instagram, right? No, no Instagram. I am on Facebook. Um, yeah, I mean, ever need to get a hold of me? Get a hold of Brian. He'll get a hold of me. Type of thing, you know. I'm. I, I work a really, really busy job, but I'm. I'm always taking time to go hunt and to go shoot, and I'll be. I'll be around a bunch more. Constantly, yeah. always going for it. Well, yeah. yeah, one of my best friends for sure, and one of the best hunters I know. So thanks a bunch for being on and sharing a bunch of tips. I appreciate it, man. Yep, no problem. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Another episode in the books. Um, yeah, just really fun episode sitting down with Dan and talking over hunting. Uh, just always gets me gets me pumped up when you start talking about high country mule deer, elk hunting. Just can't wait for this season to come up. So really fun. want to thank Dan for being on. Uh, again, our sponsor was Zeiss Optics. Couldn't be more impressed with them as a company in their high-end glass. Just really enjoy looking through their stuff. Um, also check out the Eastman's, check out that YouTube, uh, beyond the grid YouTube or Eastman's YouTube channel there. Um, we've got on that, that, uh, Zeiss Gavia spotting scope that we reviewed. So check that out, check out the new Eastman's bow hunting journal. And, uh, with that, that's another episode in the book. So just keep getting these things off. I got a, a couple good ones. I'm going to record this week, one on Wednesday and one on Friday with a couple just really good do it yourself you know, public land hunters. So I'm really excited about these coming up. So get those recorded. Um, been bear hunting quite a bit, still waiting for these upper spots to open up. I've got one low spot where I've seen, uh, I've had 11 sightings now. So it's been pretty good down in there, but I'm just waiting for some of these better spots to open up. I guess I'm not waiting, but, uh, I went and got blanked on Saturday and Sunday, no sightings, tried to hunt just a little bit higher elevation where these bears were showing up. But I've been having fun getting some sightings, still haven't got a good stock yet, which is wild. You can see 11 of them and not get a good stock. Um, you know, I've seen three shooters, but uh, just haven't been in the right position. But I, I'm just going to keep after it and keep going hard here. I know I'll get a chance. And uh, just a little bit more green grass. Um, hit it hard this week. In fact, I'm going to finish out this uh, this ending of this podcast. I just did the intro put everything together and, and uh, send it over for approval. And I'm going to get out of here and do a little bear hunting tonight. So you never know. Tonight could be the night. Uh, but really fun to be walking around with a bow and, and uh, looking at black bears. So uh, just can't wait. Just want one of those thrilling, you know, close encounters, those, those thrilling stocks. It's the whole reason I do it. But um, just really excited for season. Uh, it's coming up. 
put in for a lot of good tags, and now it's just that long wait. Uh, most of them come out kind of around the 1st of June, and we've already found out about some. I, I drew a special elk tag, a bow elk tag that I've been after. Um, so, so that's a good one. Can't wait to go hunt elk in there. And, and uh, didn't draw deer tag, still waiting, moose, sheep, and goat, and then uh, a bunch of other drawings for sheep and deer and elk and things. So um, we'll see what I get. Uh, but I uh, hope you guys are drawing some good tags and, and uh, preparing for your hunts for this fall and, and uh, getting out and enjoying life as much as you can. So um, I, I appreciate all the support, guys, on the, the podcast. We just got a bunch of positive comments lately, uh, guys really liking the podcast. So I really appreciate your guys' support with it and, and, and in the Instagram and Facebook and, and uh, commenting on iTunes and, and all that stuff. I just really appreciate the support and, and try to give my support back. You know, when people ask me questions, I try to answer them and get back. And, and uh, people come out with videos or have a podcast, I try to listen in and watch. And I just want to support the hunting community that's supporting me. So um, keep working hard out there, guys, and I'll check in with you next week.